1: No purchase necessary void are prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Before Sarah discovered chumbacasino.com, she enjoyed chamomile tea. Come on, big jackpot! And being in PJs by six. Let's go! The new fun Sarah Woohoo! often thinks about the old boring Sarah. Yes. And wonders if that Sarah ever really existed. <laughs> Chumba Casino has over a hundred casino-style games, so join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. No purchase necessary. We we're by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: Welcome to Mike Drop, the podcast where relevancy is irrelevant, and we don't give a shit about your feelings. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, it is an absolute honor and a pleasure to welcome the guest that I have tonight sitting across the desk from me. He was born in Johns Creek, Georgia on July 10th, which, by the way, you share a birthday with one of my closest friends, Glenn Doherty, who, uh, rest in peace, was killed in Benghazi. So uh, automatically, you got, got that connect in my book. Was on a state champion high school football team with Peachtree Corners Georgia Wesleyan High School. He went to college at the University of Georgia, was named SEC Lineman of the Week, Offensive MVP, and was awarded Georgia's Vince Dooley MVP award, as well as being selected Second Team All-SEC by the Associated Press. He was signed as a free agent with the New England Patriots in May of 2015, beating out the starting center in 2016, starting all 16 regular season games and also Super Bowl 51 and continued kicking ass of all 2017, going back to the Super Bowl in back-to-back consecutive years. He's an avid supporter of the Warrior Dog Foundation when launching My Cause, My Cleats, where he wore warrior dog foundation cleats during the fundraiser game and donated all of it to the warrior dog foundation he is the current starting center for the new england patriots please welcome super bowl champion number 60 david andrews thanks for having me man well it's my pleasure i uh i was gonna throw in there that you like uh barefoot walks on the beach and have strong yet gentle hands but i figured uh
3: well that's true but you know
2: (laughs) but uh but we figured we'd leave that off for uh for maybe towards the end of the podcast but uh you know one of the things that uh before we get into the lightning round and some of the questions is that uh you know having you here like i said is is an absolute honor and a pleasure and uh you know the the support that you've shown the warrior dog foundation and and just uh military groups and veterans in general is is something that for obviously for me and for a lot of fans i know you know we hold hold our military very, very close and dear to our heart and to see, you know, guys that are in your position that have, have the platform that you have, um, and the success that some of you guys have had, uh, both in the NFL and out, but, but kind of giving back and, and really showing that level of appreciation for our military. I, I can't tell you, uh, just how, how much we appreciate that and how, how valuable it is for, for guys in your position to, to hold that, that viewpoint. So thank you very much for, for doing that.
3: Well, you know, it's, uh, you know, guys like y'all, you know, we wouldn't be sitting here drinking a cold beer and, you know, doing this right now, and I wouldn't be able to play football. And, you know, so I just uh, I really appreciate, you know, everything that, you know, guys that are a lot better men than me that sacrificed and, uh, you know, so much for us.
2: We uh, we appreciate the hell out of it. I know, uh, you know, having been in the military 12 years, being able to watch football on on uh, the military network and uh and just you know whether it's a training trip or overseas like it's that slice of home that uh that's it's awful damn nice to to have that connection you know oh. so it's it's uh it's it's damn damn cool having you here so first off how was how the trip getting here no uh no no big issues no we almost
3: got in a uh head-on crash though on one of these county roads so that was <laughs> yeah. you know
2: that was a little dicey there for a minute but uh no do, it was it was a good little trip i do live out in the middle of damn nowhere but uh how uh how is the off season going uh so far it was good we uh this is our third week back as a team um you know and
3: i'm, I'm sure you can probably relate to that you know kind of toward the end of the year you're kind of ready to just get away yeah you know you're tired of you know everybody and you know guys tempers are running short you know with each other and uh you know but a week away you're kind of like damn i miss those guys i'm ready to get back at it so yeah. you know it's nice to get away um spend some time to yourself you sure. know get, get your head back your body but you know back to where it needs to be or close to it and uh you know but it's been great getting back with the guys you know working together as a team yeah you know i think for a lot of us you know there's a lot of reasons we do it but that bond and you know waking up and going into a locker room and sitting around bullshitting with guys and you know then also you know going out there and working together is. uh you know, there's just something special to that, the bond you create with those guys.
2: Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting. I think the you know, there's a lot of guys in the military that, that were, you know, football players, whether it's high school, some of them played college ball. And there's even been a couple, uh, especially in the special operations community, that, um, you know, either went to the combine or, or you know, worked out for, you know, a preseason or something at the NFL level. But, you know, that, that camaraderie piece, I think, is uh, there's a huge parallel between – military groups and and football teams and i think that's why you see so much synergy like in off seasons and training camps with military guys coming in and and whatever but even some of your coaches have were prior prior vets right
3: yeah yeah i know our line coach was a marine and you know there's just something special about it you know i I can't you know i'd say my five or six best friends you know they might not play nfl football or even college football but they all played football with me at some point there's something about that bond you create with those type of guys and you know, for me, that's always been something that's just drawn me to the game. And uh, you know, like I said, there's just you know, you know how it is. There's just something special about that going through, you know, a time when it's hard and sucks, and yeah, you got to rely on each other. And uh,
2: you know, you know, when push comes to shove, you can rely on that person. Yeah. Now, the uh, the hottest steel's forged in the or the hardest steel rather is forged yeah. in the hottest fire. That that bond. Same thing with me. I mean, the guys that I went through buds with, or or were in, in whether it's training or or at the team or even as instructors like that shit that you go through, uh, together, it just, yeah, it, it forms a, a special thing for, for everybody. And it's uh, it's neat to see that parallel, but, um, w- just one real quick thing, just kind of, a I like to throw a little lightning round at, uh, at the guests, just kind of some off the wall questions that are, that are more lighthearted just to kind of, kind of get things rolling. But, uh, one thing I know I'm curious of, um, you know, at, at that level, like in terms of your morning routine, uh, and this is both, off season and during during the uh during the season I'm I'm assuming there's a pretty stark contrast between can you walk us through just kind of a quick uh, a normal morning for you uh in both those aspects.
3: Yeah, you know, I think uh you know, I try to get up about six every morning. I think that's a good time for me. Uh everybody gets up earlier than me. Everybody. I mean now if I can sleep I will, you know, but uh you know, usually during the season I'd say, you know, it's five forty five six when I'm trying to get up. Yeah. Um you know and usually i try to get to the stadium as fast as possible you know we're fortunate enough you know to have meals at the stadium so that's where you know first thing we get a cup of coffee eat some breakfast and you know and then probably as the caesar gets later and later it's right into that hot tub for about 20 (laughs) minutes you know trying to get warmed up and just trying to get that body going a little bit you know it's cold up in new england and uh something about just getting in there and just trying to you know get going in the mornings and and right after that, you know, 7 o'clock, usually try to hit that film room. Um, you know, we try to get together as an O-line in the mornings and, you know, get to some film going and, uh, you know, studying up on the opponent, you know, with ourselves. You know, I think we can do a lot, you know, together in there. Um, that was something I learned from older guys and now try to, you know, keep going. And, uh, you know, and then first thing we start out with Bill, 8 o'clock in the morning, team meeting. Um uh, you know, and people are surprised. You know, when they kind of hear our schedule is, you know, how much more meeting time it is than practice. You know, we meet from, you know, eight to eleven thirty. No shit. Yeah. Wow. Well, yeah. In the practice twelve thirty to, you know, two two thirty, um, uh, you know, and then we'll meet from, you know, three thirty four o'clock till about five that night, or three thirty to four thirty. You know, an hour that night. Um. Uh, and then in between that you know guys are getting rehab treatment whatever you need um you gotta gotta get some lifts in in there um you know so you just kind of sprinkle those in there and then in the off season you know most of our stuff's pretty laid back to an extent you know if i'm on my own i'm gonna get up and get this workout over with so i can have my day you know so that's kind of the same thing and then right now you know we are uh you know we'll get up about six we'll start meeting at seven and there's certain rules that you know the nfl has on us right now so you know, seven to eight, we're meeting, and then really from, you know, eight to 11, it's football drills, conditioning, lifting um, for three hours, and then we're done. So, you know, not a bad schedule right now. Yeah.
2: Well, so, like, it, when it's the, the no bullshit offseason, like, is that where, like, as soon as your last game is played, whether you made the playoffs yeah. or all the way to the Super Bowl, like, from that time until spring camp starts, yeah. is that, like, everybody's three sheets to the wind fucking doing their own thing? or?
3: Yeah, no, it, it was crazy. Um you know my uh rookie year you know we lost to denver in the afc championship flew home that night next morning had team meeting you know kind of closed some loop bookends was like all right see you april you know 12th or whatever it is and i was like wait <laughs> what yeah like you know in college it was like bowl game exam school you know yeah there was no break and um so yeah that was definitely kind of a weird adjustment time and you know you got to learn what you need to do and you know everyone's different you know there's guys that maybe don't work out as much but mm-hmm. they show up and still kick ass come April and yeah. you know I've, I've never been one of those guys so you know I usually try to give myself a week, week and a half to decompress and just kind of take a deep breath and then you know I start slowly getting in try not to stop working out ever uh you know but you, know, you just gotta blame that pounding on your body a little bit here and there so
2: especially being you know 300 pounds yeah no, i can shit just taking a taking a walk is yeah. a, is a d- different experience Yeah, i was curious when you sent me the itinerary and i saw a coach i was like how the fuck are you fitting in coach like i barely fit in coach i mean is that
3: yeah i mean you know i try to get those extra the exit rows i think i paid 32 <laughs> bucks for getting an exit row and uh yeah. Usually I fly with my wife, so I can kind of take up some of her seat. But today I was <laughs> yeah. I was crammed in there pretty
2: good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, shit. I I was surprised to see that. But uh. But yeah. What, one thing when you were mentioning the uh, the morning routine during the season, you talk about the hot tub. Is there like a a fucking monster hot tub? Is there like forty of them? Like, I mean, if you're all, you know, in we've there. got that traditional that silver
3: you know tub whirlpools you kind of see. Yeah. And then we've got you know, I mean, I would say it's a pretty big hot tub. You know, hot tub, cold tub, and you know. Later and later the season goes, especially the colder and colder it gets, the more more. you're getting friendly in there. Yeah. Yeah,
2: definitely. So especially when it's, you know, eight degrees outside, get real friendly. I don't doubt it. The one thing I'm, I'm curious of just, you know, from a, as somebody who works out and, and growing up watching football, like always wondered and watching some of the combine stuff, what's your, uh, your, your PR for squat bench and deadlift,
3: man, it's been a long time since I've, really just hit one rep maxes um you know this morning we had uh like four sets of two i think it was and you know i tried to stay around 475 for squats yeah for squats Jesus. uh deadlift <laughs> i haven't deadlifted in you know gosh a long time do more power cleans things like that no. you know but i you know last time i deadlifted it was 405 on a trap bar then bench Oh man! Most I've ever
2: done is three seventy five for a set of three. So, so I guess would you say in college did you were you more geared towards that type of stuff than you are now? Is it more functional now or? Yeah, I mean, no, I still think you know, especially being a lineman, you know, at the end of the
3: day, your job's to move another grow man out of the way. So, I think you can't really skip out on putting a bar on your back. I mean, I just there's not much you can simulate a squat you know yeah. what i mean and, and uh same with the bench press you know i mean that's so big a lot of people don't understand but that upper body strength and you no know, line two is huge yeah. and um you know there's just it's just hard to simulate that and i think now it's just you know it's not much of a meatheadist thing you know maybe it was in high school and college you know more of an you know this is my job this is what i got to do mm-hmm. and i'm doing this to you know help me in that job so yeah. You know, it, there's it gets definitely prideful in there. You know, that's still that's the competition. You know, yeah. to be at that level, you know how that is. You know, guys competing and turning anything to a competition. But yeah. at the same time, you know, we're all just trying to what's going to make us the best football player.
2: Yeah, no, I'm tracking. Um, the uh, one of the tests is 225 for as many reps yeah. as you can get. Right? Do you remember what your number was? In it, it was 28. God damn! <laughs> that's uh, I, I'm I'm always uh. I always love watching that because to me, like, that's a little more tangible for, you know, somebody my size or or more normal sized guys, I guess. But, uh, you know, some some of them I'm actually kind of surprised. Like some dudes I see that are getting like 15, 18, 20. I'm like, well, shit, I I can get that, you know, but you watch some of these offensive
3: tackles. They're the ones that kind of surprise you sometimes because, you know, they might hit 15, 20 reps. Yeah. When their arms are, you know. Yeah massive yeah they're long but then they grab a hold of you
2: yeah and it feels a lot more than 15 or 16 oh, yeah. reps yeah like like wrestling a damn grizzly bear. yeah yeah uh can you do the splits no not even close i'm
3: pretty flexible but can't do splits yeah. i remember i did karate for a little while when i was young 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 and i just hate it because i couldn't do the splits oh
2: i was so mad <laughs> myself <laughs> fucking john claude van dam over there yeah. um what is your, uh, now see being a, a Georgia boy, right? I, yeah. I, I can only imagine barbecue is a big part of your, yeah. uh, your, your heritage. Uh, what is your favorite barbecue dish across the board? Full meal sides, yeah. fixing everything. Shit, why, yeah,
3: Man, I love, uh, I gotta go combo plate, smoked chicken and, uh, just pulled pork, you yeah. know, pork butt. A lot of barbecue places got homemade chips. I love homemade chips. And, uh, to me, top it off with a slice of white bread and some coleslaw. Yeah was there was there a favorite joint growing up that you guys went to? No, you know I'm not picky about it. You know, I mean it's just kind of you know I, anywhere that serves it, I'm going to eat it. You yeah. know, it's kind of like pizza. Pizza's pizza. <laughs> it's hard know? to fuck it up.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Well, you're in luck. Uh, I got some uh, some of my beef ribs and some uh, wagyu ribeye end cap that we're going to be. Uh, That's
3: what I've heard about this stuff. Yeah. So we'll
2: see. We'll be firing up tomorrow. I'm curious to get to get a Georgia boy's take on uh, on that shit. But uh, favorite pistol, rifle, or firearm in general? I know for me, like it, it, totally depends on what I'm what I'm doing. But is there anything that sticks out in your mind? Is like, yeah, this is my favorite favorite piece. Oh man, um, I love revolvers. Oh uh, shit. Always have Ruger Blackhawks,
3: probably my favorite. Really? Yeah, I've always loved that. Um, and it's not the most functional, yeah. You know, but uh, for probably like my favorite piece, that's probably you know, I mean, deer rifles are deer rifles, you know, shotguns are shotguns. Uh, I'd say that. Or my granddad has a uh, Colt Beretta. I mean, Colt thirty two. Yeah. Revolver, and uh, you know, he gave that to me, and that's pretty special to me
2: too. Yeah. 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 That's a, I gotta tell you, that's that's a surprising answer. Like I was figuring something different, but uh, but that's cool. I, I, I mean, I definitely like revolvers. I think they're the 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 practicality of them, uh, you know, is in terms of from a tactical standpoint is is not very good. But yeah. uh, but they're functional as shit in terms of one of the things I like about them. Is you know they're always going to fire like yeah. you don't have to worry about a magazine spring fucking up or you know they're they're really they almost can't jam. No, I mean to me it is nice to have a gun you can throw in a drawer for twenty years and pull it out and fucking shoot it. You know, but I like to think I'm
3: a cowboy at times too. <laughs> with it, you know, so
2: oh, that's fucking good with your chaps and uh, horse horseback. Yeah, ashless chaps. <laughs> uh Do you have a favorite drink? Man, is it Pacifico now? now that that's you know? pretty good.
3: No, but. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of hard just to beat a, uh, for me, Crown Royal is
2: probably my favorite yep. go-to. Hey, yep. No, I mean, I'm definitely a bourbon guy, but yeah, fucking Crown is uh, is pretty top-notch. Um, do you have a, a best uh, either football hazing or practical joke? Now, I know you've listened to some of the podcasts and heard some yeah. of the military-style hazings, which are uh, pretty fucking brutal, but is there a, uh, a best hazing story, or even if it's just like a, a crazy-ass practical joke? On any of the teams that you've been on that uh, that you can share. Man, we don't have any hazing stories like y'all do
3: now. That was <laughs> something I never heard before. But uh no, I mean uh we were we were playing in high school and uh this kid was like, you know, he didn't we played like four games at the beginning of the year that were just terrible. He didn't think we would come out undefeated. You know, so I told him if, you know, we beat these teams. This dude had a hairy butt. Oh my god. <laughs> And so uh, told him if we we win all these I'm gonna wax your ass and we came out four zero and he had to get in there and uh, we did bought, you wax his ass? yeah I did we <laughs> bought our high school football coach walked in on us and it was just and then it got weird it got he was just like no 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 and uh, you know, it was a good time
2: the kid's were one of my good friends so it was all good so the ass waxing is that uh, so the next question is your most embarrassing moment is that does that fall in that same <sighs> most game? embarrassing moment.
1: No purchase necessary void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Before Sarah discovered chumbacasino.com, she enjoyed chamomile tea. Come on, big jackpot! And being in PJs by six. Let's go! The new fun Sarah Woohoo! often thinks about the old boring Sarah yes. and wonders if that Sarah ever really existed. <laughs> Chumba Casino has over 100 casino style games, so join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. No purchase necessary. we by law 18 plus. and conditions apply. See
0: website for details. I'm Nick, the host of the UFO Chronicles podcast, with first hand witnessed accounts of the strange and unexplained, covering UFOs, cryptids, conspiracies, and the paranormal. Real people, real encounters. So come with us on the journey into the unknown. UFO Chronicles podcast is available to listen to on all apps. I'll see you soon.
2: Man, that's tough. I don't know, man. It, it doesn't have to be with life either. I mean, like to me, like specifically, like, is there is there ever a time? Because I know... Especially as a new guy at a SEAL team, yeah. as an example, like where you do shit and you're like, oh, my God. You know, like you're the you're the turd in the punch bowl. Man, I remember we had uh, – so every year we do a practice.
3: This was my first year in New England. I was undrafted. Um, so, you know, I'm fighting for a job. And, you know, Tom's riding my ass being a center. And um, we practice one time in the stadium. You know, all the fans come. It's a big thing during camp. And, you know, we do a thing where – you mess up in practice, you got to run a lap, you know, and me and Tom fumbled a snap, you know, here he is, you know, I guess he was 39 at the time, you know, greatest quarterback of all time, whatever, in front of thousands, thousands of people, me and him out there running this lap together. And I'm just so, (laughs) I was so embarrassed making him run. And, you know, then Belichick's yelling at me in front of everybody. And I was just like, that was rough.
2: <laughs> you know, you know uh, that actually makes me think of something is that I think there's a, there's a, um, an expectation or, or maybe a perception is a better way to, to describe it that, you know, a guy like Tom Brady is going to get special treatment, like doesn't no. get punished or whatever. And it seems like, you know, I obviously I've never met him. I've never met uh, Belichick, you know, is, is there an element of that to it? Or is it like, motherfucker, you're part of the crew. You get punished just like everybody else. Or? Yeah.
3: You know, I mean, we're kind of one for all, you know, all for one, you know, and, uh, you know, no one gets, you know, special treatment and, and, uh, you know, to see a guy like that how he carries himself and, you know, when you're coming in at the league and getting to learn from someone like that is unreal. And, uh, you know, it's been, uh, it's been pretty cool to see. And I think it's taught me a lot, you know, about, you know, running an organization, whatever it may be, you know, I mean, you know, obviously Tom is different than a lot of us and, you know, but when push comes to shove, he's just one of us. And, um, you know, but dude's unreal the way he carries himself and the way he, ex- you know, demands things not only from himself, but everyone else is just, you know, you can see that and, you know, makes you respect a guy like that. Yeah.
2: To me, I mean, that, that gives me an, an automatic respect for a guy like Bill Belichick, too. Yeah. I mean, because that's... I, I would assume, I mean, I don't know if if, if you can shed any insight on it, but, it, I mean, it seems like that maybe there's teams that, that aren't that way. Like, are there, I mean, I know with college there are, right?
3: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I've been fortunate enough to be on one team, you know, and coach has been, you know, he's been tough, but he's been fair. And, uh, you know, it's, it's it's an honor to get to play with a guy or play for a guy like that. You know, just he's such a great coach. I mean, just, you know, numbers speak for himself. Yeah. You know, and, you know, he's honest and uh, a lot of times in life, you, know, you don't want honest you know yeah. honesty and but you need it you need to surround your people yeah you know surround yourself with people like that and uh you know I can't you know he's been honest with me and sometimes I don't want to hear it but you know it's the truth and I need to hear it yeah. and um,
2: you know and you know, as a man I think you can respect that yeah well and you uh, I mean to me the you know when when you see that uh that element to it. I mean, I know for, for most people, you know, people say, Oh, I'll just be honest. Or they want you to be honest. And one of my favorite lines from uh, George Carlin, one of my favorite comedians is everybody wants you to be honest until you're honest with yeah. them. And then yeah. you're just an asshole. Exactly. <laughs> you know, but, but, yeah, but I mean, there's the, the truth hurts, you know, but that's the only way you grow and, and learn. And, you know, one of the things that I, I can't stand about politics with a lot of administrations and, and, uh, just groups in general is that they live in echo chambers and are, and surround themselves with fucking yes men, yeah. you know, and, and that's why you have the problems you have is because nobody challenges them on any ideas or, or says, Hey, you just fucked that up. You know, that it's they just blow smoke and stroke each other's ego and it uh, it's, it's fucking dangerous. But just real quick, obviously you're a dog lover. Uh, tell us about your, your two dogs and, uh, and, or, you know, if you had any influences of dogs growing up since, uh, since here we are on the ranch with all these hounds.
3: Yeah, you know, I grew up a dog lover, you know, grew up doing a lot of hunting and fishing. So my kind of first exposure to dogs was, you know, hunting dogs. And, you know, I just seeing how cool it was, you know, guys, you know, having bird dogs, you know, raccoon dogs, you know, rabbit dogs, you know, it's just taking all these different animals and making, you know, accomplish this goal was just something I thought was so cool, you know, and then, you know, grew up with dogs, you know, all different kind of dogs, Jack Russell Terriers you know, Maltese's labs, you know, whatever it was. And, you know, always, I was born shepherds and my dad was pretty strict on me, you know, he always hated, you know, even when we got a lab, you know, he's like, you're going to take this dog you're going to run it. And, you know, dogs that meant were meant for a job and just get fat and lazy. And, you know, it just kind of always drove him wild. And now it kind of, I guess that rubbed off on me kind of drives me wild. And when you see, you know, these dogs that are meant to, you know, run and, you know, be active and, Kind of I guess like America mm. and uh <laughs> you know, so, and I think i I wouldn't have been ready to you know own a German shepherd or you know a high drive dog like that, and you know, once I got old enough, you know, I kinda picked what I wanted, and I got my first German shepherd f- uh from a family friend her name's Kimber, my wife actually came up with the name, I thought she was naming it after the pistol, <laughs> and I was like, man, I love this woman, and then it turned out she was naming it from. Dr. 90210 or nip-tuck or something, but we'll go with the pistol. <laughs> uh, so she's four, That's and man. Good. She's an awesome dog. Kind of the first dog I raised by myself and, uh, you know, kind of a learning process for me. And um, But she's awesome, man. And, uh, you know, she loves everything. You know, she loves balls, chasing deer. I don't know what she would do if she ever caught one. But, you know, and, uh, you know, this fall, we started talking about getting another dog. We got a cat also. And started talking about the dog my wife kind of wanted to get another one and i've always wanted an all black shepherd and um found a guy in south georgia um you know raising these dogs had some really cool dogs and you know kind of fell into our lap and um and we got k row he's born on january 1st we got him i guess whenever he was eight weeks and uh he's kind of been our our little ball of terror right now but uh yeah no he's a good dog he's picking up on a lot but uh You know, I I feel a little better having, you know, raised one dog under my belt. And, uh, you know, he's awesome. And, uh, you know, so those are our
2: two dogs. Yeah. That's good shit. I know, you know, for me, obviously, dogs play a huge role in my life. But uh, I'm always fascinated at uh, some of the commonality between A, dog owners, and B, just you know, people, in, prominent people in society that, that have dogs and, and what they do with them and their interest level, whether it's training or working or hunting or oh. or companionship or whatever. And uh, I mean, it's one of the most American things out there, I think. And uh, having been all over the the fucking globe, I can tell you that you know there's a lot of countries where uh, you know they they don't like dogs and they I mean they kill them or, or you know they exist in packs of of strays or whatever. Mm-hmm. But uh, I love the kind of the American, um, you know american pie if you will of uh, aspect of dogs that uh, that brings brings to the table but in terms of your your childhood obviously you had some dogs growing up but, uh, so you grew up in johns creek georgia yeah. um what, what was the childhood like in terms of uh, of growing up in, in a place like that and what influence that had on you yeah
3: you know it was suburbs um dad's from a small town um in south alabama you know mom's from birmingham and uh you know so we grew up in the suburbs and you know it was, uh, you know, I guess sports was my first love, you know, whatever it was. And really I started playing, you know, T-ball when you were four soccer. I hated it. I told my mom soccer was too much running and I was out. (laughs) And, uh, were you a big kid growing up? Yeah, I was a big kid growing up. So I kind of had to learn to defend myself a little bit and, uh, you know, got picked on here and there, but my dad asked me in first grade if I wanted to play football. And I said, yeah. And, uh, it was a rough year for me. I mean, you know, I just a little chubby kid and, you know, football's hard, and I had a tough coach, and I still this day, I love this coach. And, uh, you know, he uh, he pushed me a lot, taught me a lot, and I just fe- I fell in love with the game. And uh, that was really my first love. And then, you know, started doing some more, you know, growing older. And, and uh, I was playing baseball, and it was whatever. Um, played a little lacrosse, wrestled, you know, but nothing really that just captivated me like football. And, you know, grew up hunting, fishing, you know, whenever I could. But you know, football always kind of took priority in my life, you know. And then went to a little private school outside of Atlanta, and uh, hated it at first. Oh, I hated it. And <laughs> because uh, because it was a a private school. Yeah, it was private school. You know, I just you know I had this idea of private school kids, and you know there definitely is some of that. And, and uh, but a lot of my friends I made at that school are still my you know best friends to this day. And and man, we had some awesome times, and you know, doing all kind of stuff. You know, we. Haul off after football games, go down, go hunting together, and you know, all kind of things. And, uh, you know, we were fortunate enough to be, you know, pretty good in high school, won a state championship and deep into the playoffs, you know, year after year. And, uh, you know, that was really kind of, you know, what we did. We played football, played sports, and went hunting on the weekend. And there was, you know, girls got involved, and that kind of changed the times. But, you know, and, uh, what do you uh, mean? Yeah, I know, right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and then, fortunate enough for me you know i was able to you know get a scholarship to georgia and and there was not much of a recruiting process that's all i wanted to do was play yeah. f- football for the university of georgia and uh you know, that was where i was born and raised and you know went to there and then thought about quitting wanted to quit wanted to come home and just hunting and fish and no shit. dad said that that wouldn't happen and uh you know luckily he kind of talked me into staying and i don't he didn't have to talk me in too hard but there was a time where i just you know didn't think it was for me and uh what uh, what what was it about it that that made you feel that way do you think? You know, it was just it was just tough, you know. You, I mean, anybody who goes off to college, you know, or whatever it is, you know, you're away from home for the first time. You know, uh I was always kind of you know, ever since I started playing football, I played with guys older than me, 2 to 3 years. We had to play by weight, so I had to play with guys older. And uh you know, and I was I was good and I got to Georgia and I was just another person. And, uh, you know, especially being a teenager boy, you get a little cocky, you know, you get, uh, you start hearing people tell you how good you are and, uh, you got to realize you really ain't that good. And, uh, you know, so that took me a little time and, you know, school was tougher. You know, it was just a lot of different things. And I think I just wanted to go hunting some and, you know, I was kind of, wasn't able to do that. And, you know, I, dad just sent me down or didn't set me down. I was on the phone with him and just, you know, he's like, David, you can hunt the rest of your life. You got four years guaranteed to play football. Yeah. And, you know, that was the truth. And I was just being a stupid kid. And, uh, you know,
2: I'm glad I stuck it out. Yeah. Well, no shit. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, uh, so, obviously, football was a was a big, big influence. Uh, and one of the things that I, that I, I found pretty interesting was that uh, when I read that Dan Reeves is your yeah. uncle. Uh, what, what kind of influence between between him being a, a family member and, and for those of you that uh, have your head up your ass, Dan Reeves uh, played football for the Cowboys and is now he's been a very successful coach and is with the Broncos. Um, right? He was, or he started,
3: yeah, he was with the Broncos with Elway and then went to New York, then Atlanta, and then and been, that, that but, was his
2: last stop and, and been all over the place. Yeah. But you know, I, I guess to me, like, I, obviously that has to have a huge, huge impact on you as a kid. Like, was there a an element of that that uh, that catapulted you into it, or or was it?
3: Man, uh, yeah, I, I had an awesome childhood in that aspect. Got to do a lot of things you know guys don't get to do, and I was so young, I really was you know not still learning the game. You know, at some point, and, you know, and uh you know, but we go to training camp, and you know, they they would mess with me and throw me and you know tape my wrist and ankles and throw me in cold tubs. <laughs> at, so there'd know, be a good hazing. Stop. Yeah, that that was actually probably a good one. Uh, <laughs> you know I was 6 and 7 years old and they throwing me in cold tanks or that's you know awesome. picking on me and um you know but it, I think it just fur- furthered my love for the game just seeing yeah. you know these guys getting to do you know play football and that's what they did for a job they got to play a game yeah and um you know a lot of those guys are so good to me just being a little you know fat kid running around you know they were so took the time to spend you know Mike Vick you know someone that someone kind of been a double-edged sword for me you know obviously what happened you know to him with the dogs you know but seeing he was so good to me and then also seeing how he responded from that I think is you know been a huge thing but you know that guy at the time was you know he's a catch me out but he took time and would hang out with me and you know talk to me and throw a football with me and he didn't have to do that and I think it just made me You know, just molded me and taught me a lot of things at the time that, you know, I didn't think I'd get them, you know, use in my life. And, you know, but Uncle Dan, you know, he was just always a great, you know, a great man. And just to be able someone to look up to and, you know, see, you know, what they could do with their life. And, you know, just how he treated people also as a head coach, you know, I mean, he treated people, you know, first class. And, you know, I think that just, you know, he's just another person. We all just people in the end of the day. And so I think that was something that really
2: just molded me and shaped me yeah no I don't doubt it I mean I I I can only imagine that like as you've progressed from college into the NFL like has he been kind of a good sounding board for you or
3: yeah you know I mean I think you know it's just kind of he definitely understood you know what it was like and you know I think just you know being undrafted hearing him say you know David we had guys do it every year you know that's someone that's done it and had to sit in that boardroom and be like yeah we're going to keep this guy we're going to cut that guy you know someone that's made those type of decisions you know to hear you say you know it's done it's been done before you know it really does give you that vote of confidence that you know the the shit really doesn't matter you can go out there and make the team yeah
2: yeah you know it's interesting i think a lot of people uh you know think that you know the draft is the draft and that's it but obviously there's another component which we'll get into but um one of the things that i'm curious of because i know my sport was swimming um but i know like with wrestling with football with really all sports is that jump from high school to to college. Um, You know, the, you, you already mentioned like you were good in high school and then you jumped to uh, you know, to college and you're just, uh, just another, another dude basically. But you know, what, what's the deal? Like the, the level of physical activity or or physical prowess and physical capability from high school to college, like (laughs) that had to have been an eye opener, man. My first full pad practice one-on-one pass
3: pro. So, you know, offense blocking defensive line, and uh, dude picks me up, <laughs> slams me down, helmet goes flying off. I mean, it was bad. I was so pissed, embarrassed, and you know, and I was like, "Holy shit, this is a real deal now. This is yeah. this is a, big
2: boy shit." Yeah, you know, and
3: <laughs> and then it just takes another leap, you know, to the NFL. And um, you know I think it just it does take a little while to catch up to. You just start to realize, and you know. I think you can just see players, you know, I mean, I look at myself, you know, we pull up old film sometimes and it's like my rookie year me and the right guard who have been there together for the same time. Just look at us. I was like, damn, we're about to look bad. Yeah. You know, and you just can tell that difference from year one to two. And I think it's the same in college and high school. And, uh, you know, just the demand it takes on your body, uh, you know, in high school, it's just kind of, you know, we're out there playing, having fun. And then, you know, you're waking up at 6 a.m., you know, or, we have these things called 5 a.m. mat drills, and that I mean that's terrible. I mean that's nothing like Hell Week or anything like that, but it's <laughs> it's not fun and uh, it kicked my ass. And you know it's just stuff like that, but you know it just that's just how it is. It just goes from level to level, it just gets amped up.
2: Yeah, one of the things I'm curious about just just kind of thinking about it, prepping for this interview was. Obviously, in high school, like you're going to school with these kids, they're all, you know, basically from Georgia and and from that town, Mm -hmm. for that matter. When you cross up into or cross over rather into college, I'm curious about the dynamic of sports at that level. Which, you know, I mean, Division One collegiate athletics. I mean, that's basically pro without being paid. Um, What What is the dynamic like of of having a team of now going, you know? From a local, you know, municipality level to now where you've got guys from all over the country. Like, I'm curious about the, you know, if there's cliques or, or, you know, issues with integrating, you know, team members from all over the country. I know in the military, like, there, there wasn't, but it was because we we're all kind of on the same team, bleeding the same blood red and all that. Was that kind of a similar experience? Yeah, you know, I think
3: sometimes I'm ignorant to things that go on in the world. Because I've grown up in this football bubble, you know, and uh, you got guys from, you know, white, black, Asian, whatever it is, whatever you're, you know, rich, poor, no parents, one parent, two parents, you know, and it's just everyone comes together and you just put all that behind you. And and sometimes I have to talk to myself and realize, you know, like there's a lot of stuff going on in this world. And it's hard for me to see that sometimes because you don't see that, you know, yeah. it is, you know, I mean, you know, some of my best friends on our football team grew up, nothing like me, didn't grow up in the same, you know, whatever it may be. It And, but I think that's, what's so cool about and so unique about, you know, the military and football is that, you know, you put all that bullshit aside because, Hey, we got to go out and, you know, we got to beat the defense in practice today. And, you know, it, it you might have a little rubbing heads in camp you know guys going at it you're competing you're tired of hitting each other but you know once the season rolls around i mean you know everyone's just you know all the bullshit aside we're all here together yeah we got to go beat whoever yeah whoever's coming up on that schedule and uh man i think that's just i think that's what's so cool about sports and teaches kids you know um from such an early level and um I think, I don't know, it's hard to describe. I mean, you know, you've done it and seen it. And yeah. I think for people sometimes that aren't in that world, yeah, you know, it's kind of a, it's a special thing. But, you know, I think that if our world worked like that, we'd be in a lot better
2: place. No, amen on that. I mean, it, you know, between the military and, you know, we were talking earlier before we started recording about, uh, you know, there's so many parallels between, you know, not just football, but team sports in general, but especially football at that level, I think because you know it's one thing to for it to be a hobby in high school or whatever but when you know and i, and I think it's a lot of, it's it's easy for a lot of uh fans or or observers of of professional sports and even myself included to um you know to, to kind of be dismissive about you know the the mental stress and pressure that exists when the reality of it is that's your fucking job like yeah. your you know your livelihoods on the line like to me that's you know, yes, it's a game, but it's not a game when it comes to that, you know? And so, uh, the, the parallels that exist between, you know, whether it's camaraderie or, or team mentality or whatever, and the value that, that kids get, uh, from that growing up, I think is, is imperative. Yeah. Uh, no, no two ways about it. I mean, I played a lot of different sports too, but, uh, and, and then obviously in the military, that was a, it was a huge, uh, you know, huge element of, of me kind of coming into my own as a, as a man and, and figuring out you know what, uh, you know what's right and what's not, and, and what you know what to worry about, what not to worry about, and you know. But but to me, the I think it's a lot. A lot of times, people have these misconceptions about professional sports in in some ways, yeah. that way. And I, and I think that's one of them. But um, you know, one of the things too that uh, that again, like a lot of these questions, I know people are curious about, and myself included. But uh, going back to some of the college stuff first of all i guess the you know we talked about integ- integrating from a team mentality but uh is there an element to, to me it seems like there is whether it's football basketball whatever is there an element of almost kind of like a rock star status at college when you're <laughs> when you're a division <laughs> one starting football player like college was fun <laughs> college was real fun yeah. short answer
3: yeah uh, yeah i mean you know I, I guess every college experience is different but you know, at the university of georgia football's king and uh you know we had we had some good times and you know a lot of drinks we didn't pay for and, yeah man we had a, we had a blast and uh did you guys even go to fucking class like is that i mean is yeah that- you know we did we did no we did go to class i i still gotta go back and get my degree at some point but you know i mean guys did have to put in the work you know i mean i will say that to some extent you know it's not as I think college athletics gets a bad rep on you know underwater basket weaving and stuff. I mean, you got to go to class. You got to do. You got to take care of your business, and I think that's part of growing up and you know becoming a young man is you know you got to take care of your shit so you can play football and uh, you know but yeah, growing up in college, man, you know wherever the football players were, that's what bar was to be at, and uh, you know we had a good time, and uh, you know there's probably some people that probably thought we were assholes, and we probably were, and. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, but man, it was a it was a blast, and uh, you know I, I I love Georgia, and not you know you know maybe one day I end up there up in Athens, but uh, yeah, man, that's a special place. Yeah, well, because you had you had offers from Duke and Michigan, right? Yeah, Michigan was my first. I was on my way to Duke to get an offer and spend the weekend with those coaches, and when Georgia offered me, and I can remember almost turning the car around and heading back <laughs> home, but you know. It was uh yeah committed on the spot to georgia and you know it was all i ever wanted to do and uh that was kind of my dream and
2: you know and i was fortunate enough to be able to live it now in terms of living in georgia did you grow up a diehard bulldog fan or was was tech involved at all or what <sighs> tech no <laughs> uh my granddad i was really close with him and he
3: was a big georgia fan yeah he went to georgia and uh you know he just that was what but you did on Saturdays. You watched Georgia football. And, uh, you know, so for me, there was no, you know, there was no point in recruiting. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's all. I think the whole recruiting process now in NCA is crazy. The kids getting told how good they are and, you know, whatever. We'll see that when you get there. And, you know, I mean, I played with guys that were supposed to be the next, you know, greatest thing, and they weren't. So I think that's all just a load of bull. But, you know, uh, no, for me, man, uga that was all i wanted to do and you know like i said i was fortunate enough to get the chance to
2: do it yeah that's uh, that's awesome one uh one of the things still you know still talking about college and and we'll, i'm curious you know kind of both in college and and crossing over to the nfl but you know the, I, i've always wondered about the resources i remember my dad telling me a story about uh when he was in in high school wrestling going to college like just the the extra shit that they got as college yeah. players but and i see it you know obviously it's magnified enormously in the nfl but even you know being from iowa everybody's either a a, a hawkeye or a cyclone fan and it kind of splits the country or it splits the state in half almost but um but you know you see like different helmets this week and different fucking jerseys that that week and, and whatever um you know i'm curious about like the amount of money even at, at the college level like are, are the resources with you know just tape and cleats and helmets and and food and Gatorade and shit like that? Is it pretty much just it's like fucking blank check? It's stupid. Yeah, I mean, I've always wondered about that. <laughs> yeah,
3: I mean, no, our dorms were unreal. You know, I mean, facilities now. You know, I was kind of going back to this recruiting thing. You know, kids, I think sometimes are picking schools because they got freaking you know motorcycle racing, video games in the locker room and stuff and jesus i mean it's it's unreal the facilities now i mean i go back to georgia and from what i had you know four or five years ago to what they've got now is unreal no shit it's unreal i mean re, we're rebuilding the stadium right now i thought our stadium was fine and you know i mean we've get, just built a new indoor i mean this stuff is unreal um people are crazy down there yeah they love that stuff and uh it's an arms race to an extent you yeah. know in big college football which to me just didn't matter and uh you know i think but get you know now it's new best thing and flashy thing who's got the cooler uniforms and yeah you know at the end of the day that don't really matter what matters is winning and at the end of the day i i would rather go to a place where i could have success and win rather than take cool pictures and uniforms or
1: you know
2: play video games yeah what um the i guess the in terms of travel too like yeah. when you travel as, as a college team what's that like man uh you're definitely spoiled i tell I you mean, in the military you're fucking not yeah i've heard stories
3: and <laughs> let me tell you it's uh yeah it's not like that that's for sure i mean from college to nfl i mean they're both first rate you know nfl you do a lot longer trips um college are pretty short flights you know i mean it's all sec yeah i mean i think the furthest furthest i ever went in college was missouri you know like an hour flight you know what yeah. i mean but you know, no security, full uh, chartered shit. Yeah, you do whatever you want on planes. Like I mean, now I mean, guys are standing up on planes, and it's just like there's no rules. Um, <laughs> you know, but uh, man, it was fun traveling. It definitely was, you know. And uh, I think I think it's always you know even now on you know the NFL level and just being able to get away sometimes. you know, you're eating dinner with those dudes and. You know, it's just all that camaraderie, playing cards in the hotel room, whatever it may be, or just you know, bullshitting on the bus or playing and laughing. And you know, sometimes I yeah, I you know, I'll just sit there, and just you know, just you just hear people laughing, and it's just oh, it's just there's nothing like it. And uh, yeah, but well, we were treated pretty good in college. We ate a lot better. No, sure. Uh, yeah, dude. I mean, steaks, you know, all kind of stuff. Every you know, ice cream, Sunday bars, and um, it was all it's all first class.
2: That's for sure. Yeah, it's bold. Yeah. I, I think, you know, for, for me, again, you know, having spent uh, well over a decade in the military, I mean, there's times, and this is, you know, as a, as a premier special operations unit. I mean, we like, we traveled, I remember one trip from San Diego to uh, Fort Chaffee, Arkansas on a fucking Bluebird bus. You know for 37 yeah. hours straight you know and that's like you know we're expected to go fight <laughs> fight terrorists and they're like yeah we're broke so you're gonna jump on a fucking it should blooper. be the other way around shouldn't yeah. it But yeah, uh, yeah. i mean that unfortunately I mean, between teachers and military like the two, two of the most broke-ass professions yeah. out there but uh I, I know for me and i know a lot of people i mean just no different than the, the reason like mtv cribs is so popular is huh. that you know pe- people love to hear about that shit and, and i'm I'm curious, as curious as anybody, I guess, to uh, to hear about shit like that. Is there, is there anything that sticks out in your mind, whether it's travel or accommodation-wise, be it uh, at the University of Georgia or uh, with the Patriots, that that's like above and beyond? Just like holy shit, this one time we had X.
3: Uh, we own our own plane with the Patriots. Yeah,
2: that's some crazy shit.
3: <laughs> is it a seven forty seven? No, I don't. I don't know what it is. It's just single decker plane. And it's like, I mean, it's just decked out. Yeah, There's pictures of it online and stuff. And uh, that's pretty funny to see. I mean, we <laughs> yeah. own a plane. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I always loved in college the police escorts. Yeah. We had state troopers with us that would go everywhere with us. And those dudes were awesome. Um, you know, messing around with them. And, you know, they'd fly by our car. I just always like watching them fly by, you know, going hundreds of miles an hour. they fly by our buses. And they'd always mess around. Um, but... You know, I think, uh, we had one time we got stuck on the runway with the Patriots for like some like fuel gauge was messed up. We got stuck on the runway for like three hours, got to Miami at like 10 o'clock that night, which isn't that bad, but you know, it was definitely some, it was, it was an interesting travel, but at the same time we had lay down plane seats. So we weren't, we weren't (laughs) living too bad.
2: (laughs) Yeah, no shit. Um, what, what so what is like now that you're you know with the Patriots and, yeah. and whether it's a playoff game or regular season game like what is a travel trip like
3: well we're on the road every week technically um, even a home game we go to a hotel really yeah so oh, uh, you know it's not bad I mean you know it's a chance to you know get away and just for that entire week or the night before just the night before yeah yeah, yeah just the night before so just so we can uh, take a deep breath and kind of get away from everything and you know, it's fun being, you know, having dinner with the guys and, you know, you, you got meetings at night and stuff and just, you know, this is back to the camaraderie thing, hanging out, you know, you know, but most travel trips for us, you know, in college and both are people always think we hang out after the game and it's, just yeah. get undressed, do your media obligations and you get your butt back on of a bus and back to the plane. And yeah. You're out of there and um, college travel never was bad, you know, NFL is kind of different getting home at you know, walking in the door at 6 a.m. after a game Monday morning, crashing for two hours, and then, you know, going back to work at, you know, 12 o'clock that day, um, and then working Monday, you know, that was kind of a shock to my system the first time, you know, we went in and you walk in the door and it's sunlight, you know. and uh, But, you know, travel's, travels quick, it's short. Um, you know, we most times we usually leave Saturday afternoon, get there, you know, have a meeting, eat, go to bed, yeah. wake up play that game and we're back on the road so it's in and out you don't get to see anything really um
2: so it's not like you you hear you know stories especially like with basketball and which is obviously a totally different sport but like hitting the strip club like you guys aren't really going out yeah no i mean
3: yeah it's it's in and out i mean obviously super bowl is different but you know it's in and out um you know curfew and you know stuff like that is you know pretty strict and you can get you can slide to dinner maybe if you wanted to i'd rather just eat what they give us and you know save that money um but you know it's uh it's it's pretty structured and not a lot of downtime
2: yeah that's uh to me that's something that i think again for me kind of surprises me um you know i you you have i think these perceptions of like this almost rock star party lifestyle yeah but nah. at the end of the day, it's it's a physical ass job and, yeah. and your job's on the line so it only makes sense to take care of your shit but you know, again, kind of at that level, I guess. You know, in terms of hotels, whether you're at uh, in the college level or the NFL level, like I mean, you're not staying at fucking Holiday Inn Express, no. right? <laughs> I mean, like it's uh, like five star. And, and I mean, how how do they accommodate for security? Are you, you guys have your own rooms? Do you share rooms? Like yeah. So as a rookie,
3: you're going to share rooms, um, and then once you become, you know, you're not a vet technically, but after you know, a second or after you kind of earn your keep you get your own room mm-hmm. um which is definitely nice just to, you know just to decompress especially you know everyone's different before games and how they like to handle themselves and in college it was definitely more of a shock when guys you know we go stay at the ritz carlton in college and you know i had a buddy who always took the ropes that was just he was coming <laughs> yeah. home with ropes yeah uh, and they never fit he was six seven three thirty so they never fit it was <laughs> it was not a good sight um you know so in nfl guys are more and more used to it um You know, but it's, uh, you know, it's interesting. It's, uh, there's a lot of security, a lot that goes into, a lot of moving parts, which is crazy, especially the Super Bowl this year. We had like National Guard out in front of the hotel. It was nuts.
1: Humvees you know, dudes, like
3: it was. It was some crazy stuff at the Super Bowl this year. Yeah.
1: Before Sarah discovered ChumbaCasino.com, she enjoyed chamomile tea. Come on, big jackpot! And being in PJs by six. Let's go. The new fun Sarah Woohoo! often thinks about the old boring Sarah yes. and wonders if that Sarah ever really existed. Chumba Casino has over 100 casino style games, so join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. No purchase necessary. We we're by law 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: I'm Nick, the host of the UFO Chronicles podcast, with first hand witness accounts of the strange and unexplained, covering UFOs, cryptids, conspiracies, and the paranormal. Real people, real encounters. So come with us on the journey into the unknown. UFO Chronicles podcast is available to listen to on all apps. I'll see you soon.
3: You know, it's usually not like that. Usually it's pretty relaxed and, you know, game days are pretty secure. You know, you know, dogs everywhere. And, you know, it's it's a, to me, it's a logistical nightmare. I couldn't even imagine it, especially traveling, but. You know, we, we've got our own team security and then, you know, local police officers and things like that that are usually with us.
2: Yeah. Is it – I mean, do they lock that shit down like they got people in the entrances, exits? Yeah,
3: it's pretty It's pretty locked down, you know. And, and a lot of these hotels are these banquet, yeah. you know, hotels so we can have meeting rooms and yeah. they can accommodate for feeding us and, you know, things like that. So, it's uh, a lot of curtains. Yeah. There's
2: a lot of curtains on the road and uh, – I mean, did, like – i mean i don't know if it's something you can even divulge but like if you guys are staying at a hotel no. do they is that hotel no
1: there's like no there's, there's other guests yeah there.
3: there's
2: other guests there so you can go
3: you know I, I, guys go to the lobby you know i can sneak away and go to the lobby and not really get bothered by anybody and yeah. um you know meet you know f playing somewhere where i know somebody you know have them come by and you know you know sit down in the lobby and talk with them for a little while or whatever and we also do things where we have you know you could maybe meet, you know, in a private room so you're not getting bothered for guys and but yeah, you know, we run a pretty tight shop and uh you know, it's got to be that way
2: though. Yeah. I, I don't doubt it. Um another thing that I know uh I know I'm curious about and a lot of people are in terms of diet like how much do you guys fucking eat, you know? I mean like when when you're I mean, is it just like balls to the wall like uh I remember an article in Sports Illustrated when I was a kid. I don't even remember the guy's name, but it show, it, it, he was a, a more famous guy. I think he died of a fucking heart attack not, at, at, like, 28 or something. But um, it showed him, like, with this crazy fucking yeah. grocery bill and, you know, eating, like, six pounds of meat and f- 12 dozen eggs mm-hmm. and, you know. But, like, for for you guys, I mean, is it are there guys that are, like, the meal prep, super yeah. attentive, and then there's guys that are just, like, fucking eat everything? Mm-hmm. Obviously, the, the, the line guys are probably a little... Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. You
3: know, the line guys kind of go. I think you can go either way. You've got the guys that can't, you know, eat that because they got to lose the weight. And I've never been one of those guys. I'm one of those guys where I've got to keep on the weight, but I can't sit there and eat, you know, fucking McDonald's every day. You know, so I think something that you learned is, you know, kind of what you have to do to. For me, is to keep on weight. You know, that's the thing. I can drop weight like that, and if I do, now we're we're hitting we're hitting a problem. So I think each guy finds something, you know, that kind of works for them. And, you know, for me, it's just, you know, there's nothing crazy. I try to eat good. Yeah. You know, I'm not trying to eat, you know, I try to eat, you know, clean meat, you know, vegetables and things like that. And not really, you know, I'm not trying to eat potato chips every day and, you know, processed foods. And, you know, it's pretty easy at the facility. We do a great job and have tons of resources, nutritionists full time, you know, you know, meals three times, four times a day. You know, so but I think that's for me. It's not like oh I don't eat bacon or I don't do this. You know, I just I know what I got to do and I try to eat healthy. And you know, you can definitely feel you know when you're training and working that hard. When you know eat a McDonald's quarter pounder, or, you know, go out and have some chicken and sweet potato and broccoli, you know, or whatever it may be. So yeah, you know, I think that's kind of just finding that balance. And you know, I think in the off season I try to enjoy myself when I can. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, you're right at three hundred, right? Yeah, I'm you know. 295 to 300 is kind of where I try to stay. You know, if I drop down, you know, and you learn things, you know, if I drop too low, I try to put more carbs in my diet. Um, That's kind of a big thing, especially during the season when I'm burning it like that is, you know, after practice, I got to get some carbs back in me and, you know, just to keep it on. And, you know, but it's nothing crazy. I'm not eating 12, you know, ribeyes a night and anything like that. You know, protein shakes and, you know, getting right fats, you know, nuts, peanut butter, things like that, you know, all that stuff. So, just kind of learn what works
2: for you and you know what makes you you know get up and go yeah so you're right at about 300 i mean t- typically the center uh, either the center or the nose guard on the opposing side are generally a little smaller than the rest of yeah. the line right it, i mean I, I played football growing up until high school and i was too fucking small like i was five foot hundred and four pounds as a freshman and and just swam um but I, you know I, i've always wondered about that is it a, is it a mobility thing yeah, you know, I don't know what it. I think a little
3: bit. You know, I mean, there's there are centers who're six six three thirty. Uh, you know, but I think it's kind of the one position you can kind of sneak away with being, you know, six two two ninety five three hundred pounds like I am. And um, you know, I think I think the biggest thing is just knowing, you know, what you're good at and what you're not good at, and having to use make sure you can use what you're good at more than what you're not. And, you know, I think that's part of me why I love the game is the mental aspect of it. And, you know, all right, this dude does this, which is going to affect me like this. Now, how do I have to do what do I need to do to get the best out of myself? And, uh, you know, and then that just builds from each other to, you know, as an offensive line to as an offense to as a team. And, you know, I think that's just a big part of it. And um that's something I've just been fortunate enough to just kind of use, learn what I'm good at and use it. Yeah.
2: Do you, do you know off the top of your head who who the biggest guy on the
3: team is on the team? Who probably this uh the new guy we just signed Trent Brown. He's from Georgia actually. Yeah. Played at Florida, offensive tackle and uh, uh played at San Fran and um now he's with us this off season.
2: Dude's like 6'9. I don't know how much he weighs, but he's Fucking beast. He's a man. <laughs> yeah. What so that's one of the things I was going to ask is uh, I know you you guys just in the draft signed a couple of Bulldogs yeah. from Georgia. Yeah. Yeah. I'm assuming there's like an, an immediate kind of camaraderie, like if yeah. you're from the same school. Is is it a big deal, or is it just kind of like a fucking high five? And I think
3: for me, it's a big deal because I played with those guys. So okay. I was in; they were freshmen when I was in there, and uh, yeah. I knew they were both going to be special. Uh, you could just tell it; those were two ball players, and uh, so that does make it a little more special. I think if I was eight years in, it would kind of be like, oh yeah, yeah. you know, go dogs. But uh, yeah, you know, that, the, being able to play with those guys and you know the the lineman we signed isaiah Wynn, you know i still you know we were in a group message with a bunch of the guys still so you know always in contact with him and you know especially through this process been in contact with them and you know how it just ended up is crazy and uh i'm happy to have them there's some damn good dogs
2: yeah that's cool It uh you know to me it's the, again some parallels with the military of like seeing guys that you went through training with yeah. or or that you were at a team with now you're somewhere else with it's uh it's that's pretty cool but um you know, going back to kind of the draft and versus you know being signed as a free agent, I you know I'd love to hear just if you could kind of briefly walk us through like what what that process uh, is of being signed and, and how that works.
3: Yeah, you know, I uh, I kind of pick my agent. You know, that's kind of the first step of the process. You gotta you know find out you know, who's going to represent you. You can't really do it yourself. It's too much. I mean, it's too easy to get fucked over. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> yeah. just. It's crazy the the terms and language, and you got to have someone to represent you. And so that was kind of the first process. And you know, I wanted someone to be honest with me. I didn't need you know an agent blowing smoke up my butt and telling me I was going to get drafted in the fourth round when I wasn't. Uh, you know, I, I thought maybe I could sneak in and you know be a late round guy, um, but I knew I'd probably go undrafted. Uh, kind of my whole life and career has been you too small, you're you know not you know good enough or whatever. Even going out of high school that's kind of the thing I couldn't play in the s e c or whatever but so you know I was kind of ready for that whole cycle to start over and um you know and uh it was tough you know i didn't uh didn't go to the combine you know didn't get drafted and you know i was like i said I was prepared for it, but you know same time you're just kind of like damn like you know you wanted you want to get drafted you wanted someone to think you were good enough to be drafted and you know but it also i think it lights a little fire underneath you and um you know, it was good. I think I think that stuff's good for you, you know, to get knocked down a little bit and have to fight your way through things. And, uh, you know, so I uh, sit there, and I think the first day of the draft, I didn't even do any. I think me and my girlfriend at the time, now wife, we, I don't know. I, I think we went to the lake for the first day and, you know, kicked around and just had fun. And second day, messed around again. And then the third day, you know, we watched it. We sat there, and it was, you know, my parents and her and my best friend and uh you know kind of got some phone calls from teams talking you're not allowed to get offers on the table while the draft's going on if you're going to go undrafted you have to wait you know to the last pick and then you know you get these offers so you know my agent told me you know new england might be interested and all this stuff and so in about 30 minutes it was you know like college recruiting you know team's calling you we want you we want you do this do that you know we'll give you this we'll give you that you know and um I was nervous about going to New England. They drafted a center before me, um, the year before me, and they just won a Super Bowl with the kids starting. And, you know, so it was kind of like, you know, they kind of got their guy, it seemed like. And, uh, you know, coach called me and, uh, you know, told me that, you know, they weren't going to draft a center and they didn't. They still wanted to have me. And uh, so I was sitting there kind of thinking, you know, you know, it's was kind of never been to Boston or New England or, <laughs> know even that far up north and uh so i was like man i don't know if i want to do this and then i just sat there and you know i was like you know i want to be the best and if i'm going to do that i need to learn from the best and you know there was no other organization you know in my life to do what new england's done yeah so you know i made the choice and uh you know just kind of never looked back and uh remember the first thing i said i was like dad i don't know if i can live in boston he's like you're not gonna be in boston you're gonna be in foxborough you'll be all right I was like, all right, and uh, yeah. So I mean, I kind of made the choice and never looked back. And uh, man, it's been awesome. It's been an awesome ride for these last four years. Yeah, it seems like it. I
2: mean, were there in that process? Were there other teams? That, yeah,
3: you know, Atlanta had offered me and
2: um, Kansas City and Dallas, I think. Yeah, and uh, so it boiled down to you, you know they had the reputation that you're like you yeah. Know. I mean, you know, I mean
3: there was money involved and but not serious money. I mean, you're making you
2: know is it league minimum kind of or well close to so your point? signing
3: my signing bonus for new england was thirty five thousand, which was a lot um most guys get like a couple thousand um undrafted and then you got to make the team to get any more money and then you know on that point most rookies the nfl's contracts are so slated for rookies now you're kind of making the same thing once guys get through with their signing bonuses you know so that was you know money w- was part of it i mean it was my biggest offer you know but at the same time i think it was the toughest choice yeah you know the hardest road to go uh you know but at the same time kind kind of turned me on you know like yeah. let's go do this thing
2: yeah were you i'm assuming uh being from georgia were you a falcons fan yeah right?
3: with my uncle being the coach you mm-hmm. know um i was definitely a falcons fan and then but once they kind of you know once he left there you know i, I always loved new england it was you know i mean that was kind of the Titans were a big thing with Steve McNair. Those teams that first started, I started watching football and watching these Super Bowls. And so New England was in, you know, those, what, four or five Super Bowls when I was, you know, yeah. first starting to pick up the game and learn yeah. it and, you know, watch it. And so that was uh, that was really cool to me. And then, you know, obviously with, you know, two of the main people still in the organization doing it. So.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, thinking about it, uh, showing up like, that's got to be fucking surreal you know now snapping the ball to the yeah. fucking guy you like grew up watching kicking ass like what i mean what what was that even fucking like like does he know that yeah i mean dude i mean the first time i met him he knew my name no shit and so when a dude does that to you it's just
3: kind of like he didn't have to know my name he could have called me shit for brains you know what i mean <laughs> and i'd been like yes sir it's good to meet you you know i mean you know the dude uh tom's been awesome to me and uh you know he does stuff to guys and now being kind of on the other side of the glass and watching it he's not doing it to be an asshole he's doing it to test guys and see what he can get out of people and you know trust and rely on and they you know he was so hard on me about my snaps and you know things i thought i did pretty well on you know and uh you know but it was to see you know what i could take and if i give it back and respond and yeah you know you know things like that and you know you've probably seen it you know through your time too and uh you know, I think, but he's just been—he's been an awesome guy. And I mean, I did tell him, you know, I was like, dude, the first Super Bowl, you want to have a babysitter, so <laughs> yeah. you, know, I, you can old do, man, yeah, you can do the math there. I mean, dude's <laughs> old enough to be my dad, so yeah. Uh, you know, but no, he's been awesome to me, and uh, you know, it's uh, like I said, it's just been an unbelievable ride.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's not many guys that can say they've had Tom Brady's hand on their on their sack. Yeah, no, right? I mean I think
3: I think a lot of people, especially you know, women would probably be pretty <laughs> envious of that. But uh <laughs> yeah. so yeah, it's it's a close relationship.
2: Yeah, yeah, shit. No, yeah. I mean he, he to me he he exudes that like consummate professional. Um, you know, seeing some of the um uh post post game interviews and I mean obviously, you know, the difference between winning and losing you, you see a stark contrast right. in temperament, but uh, but he he seems to always really carry himself as a as a very very classy uh, professional guy that uh, you know that that I think is is a good image for the NFL. You know, one of the things that that I'm curious about is, um, you, you know, obviously like there's the whole Deflate Gate thing, and I mean that is what it is. But I guess you know what what impact did that have on you guys a, as a team, like the dynamic in the locker room and, and things of that nature. Like was that something that was a big fucking deal or was it compartmentalized and it was like, yeah, don't fucking worry about it. Do your job. Yeah. You know, I wasn't around when it was all going on. I kind of caught
3: the aftermath of it. So the trials and all this, you know, things they were doing with all that. And it was never a distraction. And I think that's such a big thing. And, and not only life, you know, but football is, there's going to be tons of distractions going on around you and whatever it may be. You know, I mean, if you're you know married and working at the bank with five kids or whatever. And, you know, I mean, you got distractions at home. You can't let that affect you, what you do, you know, when you go into work. And I think that's kind of something that I've learned being in this organization is, you know, you got to put some stuff in some drawers and deal with it a little bit later, you know, at times. And, uh, you know, it's tough. And, um, you know, it can put strains on people and relationships at times. But when it's time to go to work, it's time to go to work. And, um, you know, you got to put all the bullshit aside and, you know, you know, I think that was something just seeing them go through that and him go through that, you know, is was, was pretty taught me a lot, you know, how to carry yourself and, you know, but how to be a professional.
2: Yeah. You know, one of the things that I'm uh, I, I've wondered about, too, as it kind of relates to that is, you know, no different than a baseball player is very particular about a bat or the type of wood or the fucking sarin, you know, or the, uh, you know, the tackiness to the fucking grip, the gloves they use, you know, with wide receivers, whatever. Is it to a level where because I know in the military, like we get to a point where we know each other so well, like it can be pitch fucking black and and you can you can recognize or identify a guy like, by the way, he clears his throat. Yeah. Like, do you get to a level like that where when you grab the ball, for example, like you can you can say like, yeah, this ball is is, uh, you know, underinflated, overinflated or or it's too slippery or it's like,
3: you know, I mean, like i said i wasn't there for the whole actual incident but you know i think now just knowing you know i can tell you know if he's gonna like the grip on a ball you know every quarterback's different you know he likes a grip different rather than this guy likes a grip and so i think i can know sometimes when all right we've got a new football here we got to break in yeah You you can tell when they're brand new and there's a lot of that's the thing there's a lot of work that goes into you know not only everything cleats guys cleats you know it's not you just break them out you know i mean they're stretched they're Bended, they're all different things and you yeah. uh you know insoles and there's so many little things that go into how you know guys like things and guys put on their uniform a certain way and they like you know the cleats tied a certain way because it's comfortable to them and you know and uh you know so you can kind of pick up you know you know you know how so-and-so is going to do something and you just know how they operate and you know what they what they want and what they like and you kind of just pick up on that.
2: Yeah. So I guess that kind of ties into the resource thing too. Like, so guys, I think sometimes people would assume like dudes have new fucking jerseys every game and new socks every game, yeah. new shoes every game. Like, are some guys really particular? Like, I wear these shoes the whole fucking season.
3: Yeah. You know, I think, uh, I think guys are. And I think, you know, there's certain things that guys are really particular about and routine um, to an extent of superstition, you know? Yeah. Um, Like the movie major league. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, but you know, for me it's kind of, that stuff really doesn't bother me. Um, I want to wear what's comfortable, what I like. Um, I don't really care what it looks like. You know, some guys they'll be feeling like like feet all jacked up so they can wear cool (laughs) cleats. You know what I mean? You know, I'm going to wear, you know, I'm going to wear what I want and what fits and what ultimately is going to help me do what I need to do the best. And, uh, yeah, you know, we we got all kind of resources. You can get whatever you want. You know, cleats. I mean, it's just boxes and boxes of cleats that you can choose from. And you know, you can you learn you know trial and error what you like. And you know, I'm still kind of think I'm getting close. You know, but guys like their jerseys cut certain ways, certain lengths. I like my jersey a little longer, so I know it won't come untucked. You mean you don't want the mid showing? No, no, I keep <laughs> I keep that locked down. You know, people <laughs> might lose their mind if they see that. So. <laughs> Yeah, you know, but but, uh, you know, so, yeah, everyone's got their little quirks and how they like things. Yeah.
2: Not uh, again. I mean, like the, the, there's there's some elements of that in the military as you get at higher levels. But it's it's so, you know, so different from that. I mean, uh, you know, you're lucky to get a new fair, pair of fucking boots when you actually need it. But <laughs> but, uh, you know, one of the things I'm curious about, too, is uh, is just kind of the, the locker room antics. Yeah. Um, you know, whether it's pregame, postgame, whatever. Um, and I've got a, a kind of a follow up question after this, but uh, as it relates to the locker room. But like, can you walk us through like the typical locker room experience, pregame and postgame? Like what like what is it like in there? What's the dynamic? And uh, I guess start with postgame. That was the biggest shock to me.
3: You come in 10 minutes and the media in there you know i mean you come in like you had no time to yeah i mean it's it's wham bam thank you ma'am and um you know it's a lot different than college college is like where are we going where are we getting beers now whose house we going to you know nfl it's like guys going home to families guys going home to you know kids and wives or whatever and uh you know so that was definitely a different aspect i guess you'd say post game especially with the media is just you know that was crazy kind of you know in college it was like all right 10 people are going to stay back and talk to the media. The rest of you can leave. And, uh, you know, but now it's just literally, they just walk in there and, you know, you're changing, getting ready and they're right, waiting for you to, <laughs> yeah. you know, answer questions about why you gave up four sacks that game. And, I mean,
2: are you standing there fucking with your shit hanging out and there? I mean, yeah, you just, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I was,
3: was definitely kind of a, a, a shock, but, you know, uh, you know, so I think that's where you get some of these funny interviews, you know, yeah. and guys, you know, saying things they shouldn't post game or whatever. You know, pre-game is man it's uh you know it's business and uh, it's serious and you know there's not a lot of you know guys know what's about to happen and you gotta you know, everyone gets ready differently you know guys got different routines you know I like to get there super early and take my time and relax and try to try to catch my breath before what's about to go down and um, you know I think I think that was something I learned is how serious it is yeah you know sometimes I think people think you know, they're just out there playing a game and having fun. They're not playing that hard. And, you know, that's not the case at all. Guys are going balls to the wall, you yeah. know. And, and it, like you said earlier, you know, it is, it's, it's, yeah, it's, you know, we want to win and, you know, we want to win, but and it's your job too. You know, that's how I support me and my wife and guys support, you know, their four kids and whatever it is. Yeah. And, um, you know, so I think that was something, you know, also the individuality you can have in co- uh, the NFL compared to college. College was kind of like, we're all going to do this. We're all going to do that. Well, NFL, you're a grown man. Get mm-hmm. ready. How you need to get ready, you know. But yeah. but be ready. When that ball goes, you better be yeah. ready. That so big boy rules. Yeah. So I think that was kind of a big shock, and I think that applies to a lot of things in the NFL. Yeah. Um. But that'd probably be kind of one of my big things is just you, know, you got to get you know get ready on your own. That's your job.
2: Yeah. Is, is the is the level of nerves like especially during the playoffs or or especially the Super Bowl, but. You know the playoffs. It's you know kill or be killed. Basically, you know you're you're playing to advance every yeah. game. Like, is the level of nerves and anxiety like pregame and and whatever? Is that is that pretty pretty fucking significant, or is, it, or is it? Yeah, you
3: know, I mean, dude, it's there's nothing like walking out on that field and the fans, and I mean, it just I get chills just thinking about it. It's it's a, it's such an adrenaline rush, and you know when the season ends, you kind of miss it. You miss that kind of yeah. shot of you know, yeah. endorphins or whatever you know, they are. And but yeah, dude, I'm I'm a puker, so I'm <laughs> I'm probably gonna throw up before mo- most games and uh even still? Yeah, dude. I, don't I, I not- just I just something just like I got a gag reflex or something. I don't know, dude. <laughs> like if I get going if I get going and cough you know a couple times, there's there's probably a puke located in there somewhere. And uh you know I think I think it the nerves and kind of especially playing in Super Bowls, you know, I think sometimes and kind of hits me usually around the national anthem or America, the beautiful, and you're sitting there, you're looking up and you're just like, wow, like this is what uh, you just, you you know, this is what you dreamed of as a kid. Like it's unreal.
2: Yeah. I mean, now that you mentioned that, it's, it's one of the things I, I wanted to ask was, you know, very, very few people as a child dream of doing uh, something and then actually fucking end up doing yeah. it, you know? Um, and so like, Obviously, you don't have anything to compare it to in terms of not doing that, but like, you're one of the few people that's legitimately live. Like, you can say, "I'm living the fucking dream." Like, yeah. how, how do you wrap your mind around that? To it, to a certain extent, is it like because you dream of it as a kid? Now, like, because the percentage wise, like, fucking nobody. You know, I mean, every fucking swing and dick that's six years old that picks up a football dreams of yeah. winning a Super Bowl, and like, and you've done it. You know, I mean, I'm curious. Like, what, what's that like? it's unreal you know it's uh and you know, where's the ring for shit's sake
3: it's in my gun safe it's sitting in, <laughs> yeah. it's sitting in my safe yeah i mean you know it uh you got to realize how hard it is to get there i think playing for new england we're very fortunate and i've been to a lot of big games and you don't realize sometimes how hard it is yeah and it's fucking hard yeah to get there and the grind and how much work that goes into it and uh You know, but being there, man, there's nothing like it. And I I got some good friends that, you know, treat me just like David. They've known since I was a fat, pudgy kid, you know, and, uh, (laughs) you know, and, uh, you know, that's the thing. It's just at the end of the day, we're all just people, man. And just because I'm just playing, all I'm doing is playing football and, you know, but, uh, yeah, it is a dream come true. And, uh, man, it's uh, every time I look at that ring, you just. It's just special because you know how much went into it, you know, and yeah. you know how much you sacrificed, and not only you but you know fifty other, fifty three other guys, and you know all the staff, and I mean everything that went into it. There's so much you know behind the curtains, and um, you know it's definitely special. And it, I don't think it hit me that we lost this year until I got home and I opened my gun and say and I saw the ring sitting there, and I was like, just like, damn, you know, like it should have a twin. The, those meet those. Those times are fleeting, and yeah. and you don't get them. And so when you don't take
2: advantage of them, it, it hurts a lot more. Yeah, which leads me to the follow up uh, locker room question: Is that uh, I, I guarantee every every asshole listening to this right now wants to know, and I know I sure do. Is is for the love of shit? Like, what is the locker room like after losing the fucking Super Bowl, especially with the contrast of the year before yeah. winning it to to losing it? Like, like what 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 is that even like? Like, what I do mean, you do? Uh, like what? What do you guys even say? It's shitty. I mean, it's, I'm not gonna
3: lie. Like it's it's not good. Um, it's tough. You know, like I said, just how much work you put into it, and and you know, in the NFL, unfortunately, how much that team's gonna change. Mm-hmm. You know, guys are gonna go to free agency. Guys are gonna get traded. Guys are gonna get cut. Like it's just it's part of the business, and um, so you know, you know that that group will never be together again. And you almost had something to do, really. You almost did something really, really special, yeah, and to come up short is 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 tough, and uh you know I've been on both sides of that, and uh you know, but at the end of the day too, it's like i said you know it's fifteen, ten minutes, here comes the media, you gotta yeah. get ready to go, and yeah, you know, ask the hard questions, answer', them and you know, and uh,
2: and then it's just kind of like all right, well, that was it, fucking load it up, yeah, it's. So I mean, like on the on the plane ride back, is it just like fucking crickets, or, well, you, or so, guys arguing? Or? I mean,
3: there's still a party after. Uh, there's still a big party, and you know, it's it's a party, but you know, at the same time, you're just kind of sitting there like shit. <laughs> yeah. But you know, and then you get the option to fly with the team or the family, and so you got kind of mixes of both. And it was it's been interesting to see both sides. You know, what I mean, because you got guys you know that just partying and having a great time when you won the super bowl and got two hours of sleep and now they're being a dad yeah and you're seeing this whole different side of guys it's something crazy to me that i yeah. just because you're like dude how are, like you're a father that's crazy you know it's <laughs> like yo know, but so seeing both sides of that is it kind of see seeing those guys that they can kind of put it into perspective real quick there's a lot of bigger things going on and, yeah you know they get, they can't sit there and be you know
2: the Piss- Nineteen year old, yeah,
3: pissy and you know pouting and not talking to anybody because they got a four year old, you know, sitting there screaming at him So, uh, you know, it's uh, you know, it's definitely not fun. But uh, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it's, life goes on. Yeah, you know, we got just got to keep Work going next year. Yeah, I mean, you yeah. know, it's just
2: is, is that kind of the message from from Belichick at that point? Like, I mean,
3: you know, I think. Even when you win it, there's stuff you could have done better. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's something, you know, I think, you know, learning, seeing him is, you know, even after wins, we're getting criticized and, you know, critiqued and things like that. And it gives you that edge. You got that edge always. Mm-hmm. You know, you're never getting complacent. Complacency is, that is so bad in all aspects of life. And, you know, we're never getting the chance to be complacent because, you know, I remember, you know, we won the Super Bowl first film we watched last year was a super bowl I'm coming sure. back you know and it's, it's it, we won but we're sitting there getting critiqued like you know we got our asses handed to yeah. us when well, we did for half that game but yeah you know and uh you know even this year you know we played a pretty well game i mean we had 600 yards of offense but we're sitting in there getting critiqued and learning from it and that's all you can do yeah
2: the, the uh I, I remember watching the the game uh last year where that come from behind wins, the first, the only yeah. overtime Super Bowl. Yeah. Like, I mean, e- even watching it, it was fucking intense. Like, what was that like going through that? Like that kind of a fucking comeback. I mean, it's just like it's it, it's unheard of. You know, we
3: we do things, and you know, during the week and throughout the year, we were like, this is just like, what are we doing sometimes? And you know, coaches, you know, you're getting pissed at him because you're like, this is ridiculous. You know, it's you know, hundred degrees outside, sunny, beautiful day, and he's walking over there squirting the ball with water. And why is he doing that? Not to be an asshole, but because it's gonna rain at some point and you're gonna have to snap it in the rain. So yeah, you know, you better get used to it and deal with it, you know, and so it's just little things like that, you know, getting, you know, kicked in the balls and things like that and you know, gotta learn that, you know, you know, you just gotta keep going and put all the outside, you know, back to distractions almost. Yeah, you got to put that bullshit aside and just go play the next play. Yeah, you know you can't. We're not going to be able to come back. You know whatever it was, twenty eight three or whatever in one play. You know it's going to be play, and grind. After, play after play play. Just go back to the grind. Yeah, and you know and uh, yo, know, our defense man, they played lights out when we needed them to that year. And uh, you know when when they did, we were able to take advantage of it. And you know it's kind of one of those things we never doubted. You know we looked at ourselves. You know offensively we were hurting the team. You know I mean scored three points gave up a touchdown you know on a pick six and you know so we're we're sitting in that a huddle and no one's doubting each other though and um you know we're all looking at each other like shit we got this we just got to keep going here Mm -hmm. you know we're we're killing ourselves now and um you're able to string it together man uh it was special
2: yeah no it was nuts to watch it i mean i can't even imagine you know just sitting in the stands let alone being on the field you know but what I think what's interesting about that is it, it boils down to mental conditioning, you know, yeah. and then that's, you know, the the first responder and military and, and law enforcement and, and border patrol type, uh, uh, you know, type of you know crowd who is is a big big portion of the of the listening base of this. Um, you know, that's one of the things that again a parallel between football and and. Uh, and first responder or military law enforcement type service is that is that you know you you default to your most basic level of training yeah. and 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 to me it's it's neat to hear that uh, you know you got coaches that are doing stuff like that because that's you know that's what makes the difference is that if you're if you're conditioned mentally to just you know hey the, you're about to take a, a bite out of a shit stand, sandwich you swallow it and take another fucking yeah. bite you know and uh and and that's the difference between winning and losing or you know killing or or being killed in you know in, in military circles or law enforcement or what have you but uh so that's that's neat to hear that there's some employment of those same same types of principles and mentalities i know the falcons actually worked with a group of, of guys um lead i think leading up to the super bowl that uh, that did some some similar stuff like that but uh do you guys have any uh any camps or um things like that that you do with groups that work on like team building and and shit like that or
3: no you know i mean um we'll do stuff as a team you know whether it's you know have a movie premiere um you know things like that but i think really the biggest thing we do team building wise is just being together and working yeah you know i think that's such a you know we don't have a game room or anything like that like we come in there and we work and you know i think but at the same time, we got to entertain ourselves when we do get that free time, you know. And so we're spending time. We're playing basketball with trash cans, you know. And yeah. This that the highlight of camp is trash ball. I mean, that is <laughs> everyone's in the locker room just you know watching dudes play this stupid ass game we made up. Yeah. You know, and that but that's so much fun and um and it's genuine. Yeah. You know, there's no bravado or false, you know, fake or whatever to it. It's it's genuine. It, it's a bunch of grown men being kids making up a game. Yeah. You know, and and shooting the shit, and uh, you know, but uh, you know, we'll do things, you know, maybe as an offensive line, grab dinner, and you know, things like that, hang out. So, um, but I wouldn't say you know, it's like, all right, this is team building
2: week, you know, yeah. whatever. Because there was a, there was a local high school uh, shout out to Bishop Lynch in Dallas. They uh, they came out here a couple of years in a row, um, and basically their their coach asked if I would put them through kind of a not hell week, but that that same style yeah. of of workout for a couple hours whatever and it was actually it was really neat because the uh you know the, the coaching staff was kind of in cahoots with me like the, the kids had no idea they were coming out here yeah. it was during summer their their summer what they call hell week and it was at the end of it so it was uh-huh. like a friday you know at you know mid-morning whatever and they load up on a bus in dallas drive two fucking hours all the way out here i have no idea what's going on hot as balls hot as balls yeah it's like july august and uh and they get off the bus, and here I am standing there with a fucking bullhorn and, and a pile of logs, and, and I've got, you know, a, a pickup truck with a bunch of bags of sand in the back, and and I'm like, get the fuck off the bus, you know, get, get over here, and I, I go right into, like, full-blown instructor mode and just start hammering the shit out of them. And it was a two-and-a-half, three-hour workout, and it was all, you know, team building. Like, I used a kettlebell. And I said, "This is your football, you know, and it will not touch the fucking ground, Yeah. you know." And so they have to pass the, the this fifty-five pound kettlebell between them. It's always got to be up above their head and whatever. And carrying logs and going down to the, to the pond that I have between here and my barn and getting wet and sandy and yeah. you know. But but it's accountability things and, and working on communication, and all that stuff. But the, the cool thing about it was that the you know the coaching staff was like, "We've learned more about these kids in twenty minutes than we have you know in two fucking years." Yeah. You know about who who really wants it who has heart who's a natural leader you know who has good attitudes, shitty attitudes whatever and i, I i've always wondered like i i can only imagine at that, that level of dudes making millions of dollars like one they're not going to risk getting injured 2 they're not going to listen to an asshole like me bark orders at him but like to me i would think that stuff like that would be good for for even nfl teams
3: yeah you know i think i think there's an aspect of both i think one yo. Know, Kind of going back to what I was talking about earlier, grown man, you got You should know by this point what yo know, what it takes and what you need to do. Mm-hmm. And if not, you're gonna get weeded out through the system. Yeah, you know what I mean. At some point, something's yeah. gonna happen. You might last for a year or two years. You know, fake it till you make it, kind of thing. But you're gonna get weeded out. Yeah, and I think you will get some of that. I mean, guys, you know, kind of, you know, like, dude, I didn't sign up to be a Navy SEAL. Like, I respect <laughs> what you do, but like, yeah. you know, I'm not a Navy SEAL or you know whatever it may be. And you know, I think, I think. At the same time, though, the way, you know, going back to what we talked about, you know, what makes things like that toughness and, you know, when things are tough, that's when you learn a lot about yourself. Yeah. You know, I think I think you can learn that from guys. Like, you know, when, you know, a dude's fucking hurting, but he's out there giving it all he has. And you, you got, all right, this dude, I got this dude. This dude, you know, push come to shove, I can count on him. You know, or the dude that's like, you know, oh, so-and-so, you know, what happened? And he's in the training room the whole time and you know you're kind of like all right man like let's go and like obviously there's guys you know that are hurt yeah you know and it happens and you know but you know i think just anything that's tough in life you're going to learn a lot about yourself and the people you're going through it with and you know I, i think that's when you really learn you know you know who you can count on and you know you learn a lot about yourself like you said And i think you do more of that in college yeah um we did, you know, we did something with some Marines one time at Georgia. That shit was terrible. Oh my god! <laughs> it was funny though. Once we went to the pool, that was some funny shit though. I was dying. Um, what did they have you do, man? So what did we do the first day? We got in there, and you know, they're just laying into people. And at this point, I was a little older, so I kind of got, you know, you know how it is. You kind of start tuning that stuff out a little bit, and yeah. you start to realize, you know, what, noise. Yeah, you know what's going on. Like, all right, I'm gonna take this ass chewing and just go about my day. Um, instead of getting all butt hurt or whatever, or fighting back and thinking that's going to work and get yeah. the guy to shut up, <laughs> uh, you know, so man, we did some stuff with some logs, you know, some team building stuff, carrying guys that was some <laughs> 300 pound dudes carrying each other with some funny yeah. stuff, but you know, all, calisthenics, you know, all push ups, all this kind of stuff and learning about leading. And some of it to me was, you know, they were trying to force things upon guys to be leaders that aren't yeah. and. You know, I think you can see through that shit pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, the pool day, though, man, was crazy tough. I mean, none of us were really good swimmers. I sank in water, you know, but we were swimming. So we'd go like the length, we were in our, you know, swim teams pool or whatever. And we'd go like, you know, swim across, get out, do some calisthenics, swim across. We did that forever. And then we did some team building stuff with like wet clothes. So we were in full sweats and the, Deep into the pool, like taking it off, putting them on, all this stuff. It was
2: fucking half drowning.
3: Yeah, you know, it was some interesting stuff. And, uh, dude, I've never been that sore. Like, so my hat's off to y'all because I was, I was hurting <laughs> and I thought I worked out hard, but I was hurting. Yeah. Using a lot of stuff. And, uh, you know, it was interesting. And you did learn a lot about guys. And, you know, but then there's obviously the guys like, dude, this is bullshit. Why are we doing this? Yeah. And, you know, I think you, you can understand, like, yeah, we're not doing Navy SEAL, like, we're not here to be Marines or whatever, but, there's good in this like we can learn from this and yeah you know i mean i see both sides of it I, you know the guys being like why are we doing this but then you know i think in life there's you can say that about a lot of shit but you just got to take what's good from it and yeah
2: use it to what you can yeah yeah no that's that's an interesting perspective like i said i, I had a blast doing it uh you know <laughs> it, it was fun to uh to throw the kids for a loop and, and some of them are i mean it literally looked like fucking deer in a headlights it was pretty funny but um, have you had any uh, talking about injuries have you had any significant injuries that have really put you back or you've been fortunate
0: I'm Nick the host of the UFO Chronicles podcast with firsthand hand witness accounts of the strange and unexplained covering UFOs cryptids conspiracies and the paranormal real people real encounters so come with us on the journey into the unknown UFO Chronicles podcast is available to listen to on all apps. I'll see you soon.
1: Yeah, you
3: know, man, I've been very fortunate. Other than, you know, some broke fingers, broke toes, uh, you know, bumps and bruises and, yeah. you know, things like that. You know, and uh, the only thing I've played football since uh, since I was in first grade, like I said earlier. And other than not playing, you know, I mean, my rookie year, I started 11 games and got benched. And, um, you know, other than that, or my freshman year at Georgia, where I played in like seven games, I've never missed a game because of an injury. Yeah. Um, And this year I missed two with an internal medicine issue. And that was tough. It pissed me off so bad, you know, and uh, there's really nothing I could have done. You know, I mean, it was just kind of body was not responding well to some stuff. And, uh, you know, it was kind of frustrating because it's internally and you know so guys are you know like you look fine i'm like yeah i know i'm fine but like i got some shit going on here and yeah. you know it's not like oh yeah my you know shoulders tore up and i'm having surgery so it was kind of frustrating to me um because i've kind of carried that toughness reputation for my whole life and not missing shit and being out there and being tough and uh you know so that kind of pissed me off but you know you play it long enough you know it's going to happen you know, you're going to get hurt you know yeah. and just knock on wood hope it's you know
2: you can fight it long enough yeah yeah no shit um one of the other aspects of injuries that i know gets a lot of media attention is the concussions and the cte stuff i'm curious to get your take on uh, just on it i guess across the board i know obviously it's a it's a a huge component and, and i get like the especially with young kids playing full contact with helmets and shit like you know just like with anything just like full contact yeah. mma at six seven eight years old like you know there's an element that just from a common sense standpoint it's like yeah it's probably not the best idea but what's your take on you know is it a technology thing is it um you know what what, what are your thoughts on the whole concussion issues
3: man it's tough um like i said i grew up you know started a six seven playing ball full contact full pads and I loved it, you know. I, I it was if my parents told me I had to not play, I'd probably thrown a fit, you know, and you know, thrown a tantrum. But you know, I think I think it's a dicey situation, and I hate to see it because the game that I love and that's been so good to me and you know, it allowed me to do so much in my life is under attack for it. And um, you know, I think at the kid level, it's different. You know, you're force if you're forcing your kid to do something and they don't want to do it, then that can kind of be a interesting dynamic you know but if the kid wants to do it i don't i don't see a problem in it you know i don't you know and then i think once the kid gets older you know they start making choices for themselves you know i mean you're a grown man 300 pounds running into another grown man you know there's going to be some issues down the road for you whatever it may be it might not be you know cte or brain stuff it could be your knees give out and you're having double knee replacements i know you know older guys have done plenty of that you know so You know, I think it's tough, and I don't think there's a really good answer. Um, You can't make the game of football. I mean, the game of football is a violent game. It's violent, and that's what we love about it. That's what, you know, everyone loves about it, to see this orchestrated chaos of violence and, you know, whatever it may be. And, um, you know, it's tough. I think guys do have issues and deal with it. And, uh, you know, but at the same time, I think, you know, we all knew what we were signing up for and um, no one's forcing you to play football. Yeah. Uh, you know, I get things were a lot different back in the day and research and you know, guys didn't know. And but whose fault, you know, is that really, you know, you know, they're saying now, you know, concussion is having your bell rung and you know, I don't know how many times I've said, Oh man, I got my bell rung out there today, you know. I mean, never been knocked out or anything like that. You know, I've never been diagnosed with one you know, where I'm like, I don't remember my name or, you know, been knocked out or whatever. But, you know, I guess you start looking at the definition. You're like, damn, maybe I've had a lot of those. But, yeah, you know, I think it's just different. You know, I mean, I think everything affects someone different. You know, you think of the healthiest person you know drops dead at 45 of a heart attack. You are like, yeah. shit. Like, you know, and then, you know, the dude that's 500 pounds eating pizza lives to 85. It's like, <laughs> what the fuck? You know, so I think everything affects someone different. And, um, you know, I think it's just... It's it's a something. There's not a true answer for. I know what I believe, and you know that this is the greatest game on earth, and um, you know it's unreal. And uh, you know, to me, the only time I'm going to be stopping was when my body tells me to.
2: Yeah. When you mentioned uh, it being a violent game, I know it's you know, in our society is as uh, fucking spineless as our society has become in a lot of ways. Uh, you know whether it's football or hockey or or any any sport that kind of um, you know condones violence and and channels it and, and, and encourages it. Um, I think is healthy. I think uh, you know men and women. Uh, you know men men have a a, uh, a genetically inherited character trait that includes violence. You know mm-hmm. as a family protector, as a professional soldier, what have you. Um, but you know I, I agree. Like I, I think. There's a there's an element of of necessitation of letting young kids engage in violent activities, yeah. um, you know, so that they understand the light switch. You know, yeah. we talked about it earlier. There's a there's a football Dave and there's a, a not football Dave, right? Yeah. You know, and that, and that light switch, like I mean, that that exists in, in you. It's ingrained, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and to me, like, you know, I think there's an element of our society that really really misses the fucking boat on that with. Uh, not teaching kids when it's okay, you know, um, and and when 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 to apply it, how to apply it, how to throttle it back, how to channel mm-hmm. it, you know, and and I think I think that's why you see more problems today now than than ever in terms of violence. It is honestly is because they're not being taught how to use it, how to channel it, how to control it, yeah. and, and when it's okay, you know. And, and uh, football is a great sport for that. But um, circling back to the concussions, I, I actually have an idea <laughs> as to. Uh, as to how to stop concussions, and uh, it's actually really simple: is take your fucking helmets off. That's been a lot of talk, you know. I
3: mean, I, I've heard people say that, and um, you know, I mean, it, it is. I mean, guys are stronger, faster, bigger than they've ever been. Yeah, and so I mean, what is you know, force times mass or whatever that equation is, you know, that impact's going to be big. Yeah. Yeah, they are, and then you know, I've taken my fair share of them. And I can't imagine playing without a helmet, but I think you know you start. That's because I've never done it. Yeah, you know. But I think you start kids. You know, maybe start them in flag, and then they go to you know, time a form of the contact without the helmet. You know, that's all they know. Yeah. Then that is all they know.
2: let well, I mean, take rugby as an example. Yeah. Is that you know the 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 minuscule amount of concussions that exists in rug, rugby with no protection? Yeah. Tells you a lot about that, and, and that. You know, to me, it, it's like the difference between bumper cars and your fucking automobile. Yeah, you know, like if you know you're in a bumper car, like yeah, you're gonna ram right exactly. The fuck I into don't somebody. care what. Yeah, right. like fuck it. I got a helmet on. Who yeah. cares? Let's uh, do this yeah, thing. Like they'll launch as fast as they can, <laughs> as hard as they can, head first into a motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, you know. Whereas if you don't have that, you're not fucking doing it. You uh-huh. know. Uh, I mean, to me, it's like one of those. Well, shit, it seems kind of like common sense. Now, from a muscle memory standpoint, yeah, like you outfit the fucking Patriots versus the Steelers with no helmets and everything else, it's the gonna be like bad. guys are going to kill each bad. other. But, but, uh, but you know, obviously, that's an oversimplification. But I, I really do think long term, like unless they can develop, which I know there's been some technology with some crazy whiz bang fucking airbag helmets that. Yeah, but, I
3: mean, there's all. It's every year. I feel like there's some. Hey, try this helmet. Yeah. Help with concussions, all right? Dude. Yeah,
2: when it makes you dizzy and fucks you up. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, I know it's a big, uh, big hotbed issue, but um, before we get in kind of the the last, you know, probably the most serious, uh, you know, component, um, is there anything about, just because Tom Brady being the name that he is and you have such a close relationship, is there anything that you can or would be willing to share about him that would surprise people? Let me think, surprise people. That, That people don't know about him, I guess.
3: At the end of the day, he's just a normal person he's just a dude he's just a guy you know what i mean yeah he can't do things that we can do because he is a rock star i mean he's the definition of a rock star but uh you know at the end of the day he's just a dude he just wants to cut up you know and you hear him like you know say something about his kids or you know like oh man you know whatever I had to do this you're like wow you do that too like you live a normal life <laughs> you know what i mean it's like yeah. dude like end of the day he's he's a husband he's a dad yeah you know i mean yeah he's a football player and you know does cool stuff and freaking has a aston martin sponsorship and whatever but like dude's a normal dude and uh you know he he loves cutting up and hanging out with us and uh you know obviously he's you know different because he can't just go grab a beer things like that uh but and not without getting mobbed anyway. Yeah, but yeah. dude is just you know, he's in there playing games with us, hanging out. Yeah.
2: You know I mean? He's not Do you like do do whether it's you and him or any of the other no. guys, like do you ever fuck around with each other like like grabbing a hold of each other and, and horseplay fucking around? I
3: don't think uh horse play a little horseplay, but not with him though. You know, you don't touch you know <laughs> no one no, no we're not horseplay with that guy now. Yeah, you don't but, his hands up. Yeah, no, but uh yeah, you know, we bust each other's balls. You know, I'll bust his balls, and he'll give it back to me. And you know, it's uh, you know, that's fun. And uh,
2: you know, but you know, uh, as for him, no, no horseplay for him now. Yeah, yeah, too too valuable, yeah. with the insured hands. Yeah, so he he won't be coming out here getting uh, any bite work in the fucking suit then, probably. Huh? No,
3: no, I think <laughs> uh, I don't think that's a good idea.
2: Yeah, you have the whole fucking. Have the whole region of the Northeast fucking mad at? Mad yeah, have at, you have know, them on your
3: doorstep. That might yeah, be good.
2: Oh yeah, no shit! Uh, they can join PETA. Um, <laughs> all right. So, kind of the last block of a handful of questions are, are you know, a little bit more on the on the edgy or serious uh, serious uh, perspective. I know. I'm, I'm curious. Uh, as we get into them, the first thing I wanted to talk about was I know it was a little bit before your time there, but the the Aaron Hernandez situation was was that a did that have an impact or an effect on you as a team, or was it just, again, so you could No, I mean, it? that was
3: so before I got there that mm-hmm. I really just, you know, I was catching the tail end of it, you know, in a sense. And so I didn't even, you know, realize what was going on, didn't
2: know the guy. Um, was there an element of the team that, that it did impact because of the, the severity of it, or was it just, again, kind of like, well, it's fucking is what it is? You know, I, like I said, I, don't, I can't really
3: yeah. tell you because I wasn't a part of it and don't really know, so – that's kind of not anything that I was involved with. Yeah,
2: amen. Um, so next thing, uh, this is something that that I is a big. It's a big, uh, or it's a hotbed topic to a certain extent, um, even in the military, but especially with professional sports is performance enhancing drugs. Okay, um, and you know my my opinions of them, you know, are what they are, and, and I'll just tell you real quick, like. To me, whether it's fucking professional cycling or, or MMA or whatever, like the fact is is that most people use them and in terms of the military, like I, I think that, that we should give our uh, Do y'all get tested? Yeah. Okay. Uh, we yeah, we get urinalysis all the fucking time. Yeah. But um, or well, not all the time, and they're random, but they, they can be at any time yeah. and sometimes that's there, how we are. Too. Yeah, there may be several in a month, there may mm-hmm. be none. You yeah. know, uh, so you, you always know that that every fucking morning when you walk in, that chance exists to get exactly. Tested. But for me, like I just don't give a shit. You know, um, I I don't know what the um I, I don't know what the fucking uproar is. Honestly, is, is that because to me I look at it as where do you draw the line? In that you know, okay, it it, it gives you a, a competitive edge. Well, so does having a better coach. So does having a better nutritionist. So does better, you know, having a better fill in the fucking blank. Yeah. Now the military, I view very differently that way. And that like, I, I think our government should give our soldiers performance enhancing drugs now, not to the, to the extent of where it's, where it's abuse. And I think that's where, where your average John Q public that doesn't really understand them, you know, gets a little bit brainwashed or misinformed to think that, you know, testosterone replacement therapy for a 35 year old guy, like is not the same as, Lou Ferrigno, you know, taking mm-hmm. 19 different fucking steroids to, to win Mr. Olympia. Like when you're talking about whether it's concussions from football or from IED blasts, uh, you know, TBIs and, and uh, you know, the, the cortisol induced, you know, pituitary and, and uh, uh, thyroid gland issues that a lot of military guys have yeah. from PTSD type issues where there are testosterone's in the in the fucking tank, there H G H HGHs in the tank, shit like that. Uh, like I, I think our government owes it to the fucking to the guys to at least balance them the fuck out and 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 replace it and, and when it, when a motherfucker's lives on the line and again this military first responder police whatever uh, I, I don't know why you wouldn't do that you know under the guise of a of a, a trained medical professional that that's doing it right and taking blood work and all that other shit like to me that just makes fucking sense but even even on a professional level like again the same thing is you know when you when you cross over into at your level where your your livelihoods on the line your jobs on the line the amount of stress there was a movie the last boy scout i don't know if you ever saw that mm-hmm. with bruce willis a little, little before your time so there's the age gap uh it was probably about the time you were fucking born but uh, uh, one of the wayans brothers i think it's damon wayans is a, is a professional quarterback uh-huh. and, and bruce willis is a cop and whatever and but he goes through this you know thing of of him you know getting in trouble for that type of shit and whatever but you see about it, whether it's baseball, football, whatever. Is that you know? I'm curious just to kind of get your take if it's something that you can even share. I mean, um, but you know what? What do you what do you what do you think the right answer is, or or what impact that it has? With, like, what's your opinion on it?
3: It's pretty interesting what you were saying about the military. I had no idea about all that stuff. Um, I think football is just interesting because it's you know what are we trying to get out of it? Do you want to have the biggest fucking arms? Well, what good is that going to do you to play? Yeah. You know, so, I mean, I think that's where most people think, like, oh, dude, they're just going to be so big. And, well, you know, but there's things that we can't take at GNC, you know, pre-workout. No shit. Pre-workout that can get you popped. I mean, you'll hear about it, guys, all over the league. You know, shit, I bet you can search it. Just dudes getting popped for random stuff, stuff they bought at GNC. Like, we're very, you got to be very careful with what you take. You know, you can't, like I said, you just can't walk into GNC and be like, oh, post-workout? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Let me get that. Is that something where you like you you check with your trainers? Like, yeah, you, you, want to you take
3: check it. with your nutritionist. I think there's also an app you can like bar scan it or something. You know, but all that stuff isn't even regulated. You know, I'm sure you've probably seen yeah. you know all that the dietary stuff isn't. There's really no regulations on it, so I guess you don't know. But you know, I think I think it's just a slippery slope in professional sports. You know, where do you draw the line? Yeah. You know, I think guys can do it without it
2: i mean obviously Would it, they have been yeah you know, you know,
3: will it make the game that much better i don't know maybe a guy can get a couple more years out of himself it's just i think i think for in in the professional realm i will say when guys like mark mcguire and barry Bum, like that was some fun times in baseball though yeah, yeah no shit. i mean that was and i mean that was the era i grew up in you know yeah. and kind of seeing these guys you know i looked up to as baseball players and idolized and were you know Oh my gosh, Mark McGuire bear like now they're getting popped or whatever it may be. You know, but I don't know, man. I think thinking football is is just a slippery slope. Where do you draw the line on guys? And you know, I think there are things that maybe guys should be able to use to help recover. Yeah. Um uh, you know, I mean, why can't you take a pre workout because it's got something in it? because like, yeah. it gets you too amped, like yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm sure that would make for good TV, I guess, but you know, <laughs> yeah. who knows? But like I said, I think it's a slippery slope and, you know, I think we've got a pretty good product yeah. and, uh, you know, I mean, it shows in the ratings and things like that.
2: Yeah. Speak, speaking of, uh, of the product of the NFL, I know here, here recently, uh, you know, politics has kind of catapulted itself into the uh, or at the forefront of, of the NFL, which is something that I know for me as, as somebody who grew up watching football my whole fucking life and it being my favorite sport, uh, you know, all growing up, I, I mean, whether it was playing as a kid, just, you know, neighborhood football or, or watching, you know, college football. And, and I, I still do growing up. what I mean, I grew up in Northern Iowa, mm-hmm. so the bears were my team at, you know, it was in the eighties when Jim McMahon and Walter Payton and, and those legends were playing and, and I was a big bears fan then. But, uh and I, especially from a military standpoint, I, I can tell you that that's one of the few things that most military guys growing up with, uh, you know, watched as a kid and, and to, to watch it on AFN, you know, which is the, the military network overseas. Like if you're in fucking Iraq and you get to watch the Super Bowl, like that's a one fucking two hour, three hour, four hour block of time where like you don't have to worry about getting blown the fuck up, you know, or, or getting no. you know shot in the fucking chest or, or whatever. Uh, going outside the wire and operating it's like going to a movie you know like it it, it removes you from the reality and and chaos of uh, of the lethality of war and and to see politics now becoming more and more pervasive in in sports in general i mean fuck whether it's the olympics or, or whatever but especially football because that's america's fucking pastime yeah um you know and we'll get into kind of more specific things but um you know i'm curious to get your take on on you know politics and, and what place it has in football like do you feel that that the product uh, and the name of the nfl has been tarnished to a certain extent because of that
3: you know i think being a football player you have a platform and um you know we you can use that platform uh, you know i use my platform in certain ways you know one of them is is doing this you know the warrior dog that's something that I've found that means something to me and that I want to be a part of. And guys have that for everything. You know, there's a 100 million. I think it's really cool, the the cleat thing we do, because you see you know, all this stuff that guys are involved in. And um, I think that's so cool. And it's just when people want football players to use that until it's something they disagree with. And then it's, you shouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. If you want to do it to support, you know, Cancer, that's great. Yes, do that. Give us our money. But once it's something we don't support, now it's yeah, bad. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, yeah, you don't know what you're talking about. So, you know, I think, I think that's kind of a a double headed sword. And I think now, even in this country, now we've gotten to a point where we disagree with somebody. That means you hate them. Yeah. Well, that's not the truth. You know, I mean, just because someone views something different, we're so far apart of that now that means like we got to hate them. That's bullshit. Like, yeah, you know, it's just, you disagree. I see it this way. You see it that way. All right. How can we maybe meet in the middle here? Yeah. You know, so I think, you know, I hate seeing politics in football cause I'm not a politics guy. Uh, you know, but there's a lot of things that guys are passionate about and a lot of guys that I respect and, you know, you know, it's their freedom and, you know and how i see it sometimes is you know you and guys like you have fought so guys could do whatever they wanted to do mm-hmm. that's you know good or bad that's what america's about is freedom yeah you know and um you know so i think there's a double-headed sword to that too you know i mean it's you know it's uh it's tough but you know that's you know it's just when i think it's sad when you know people are you know when the guy's saying i'm supporting this cancer foundation that's great but when they do something they don't agree now that person's you know that football player is you know an asshole yeah know? hey do you know the guy you sit down and talk to him at all because i have but you yeah. haven't so yeah you know i think it's just uh
2: it's an interesting dynamic yeah i mean I, there, there's a number of different political components that i think get thrown into football be it uh i mean i've i've seen you know whether it's bob costas talking about fucking anti-gun shit uh or you know whatever but you know to me kind of the you know the the no pun intended but the kind of the varsity squad uh political issue is is you know in terms of started by colin kaepernick with the with the kneeling of the anthem uh, dur- during the anthem and, and how many people that that's pissed off and and I mean, I'm assuming that that's kind of what what you're alluding to with yeah. uh, you know with with what you're talking about, and and to me, you know, and this this may surprise a lot of people, but you know, I, I have very similar sentiments in that, um, you know, one of the things that I had uh, you know, Nick Irving on as as one of my guests a few yeah. few episodes ago, and we talked about race. We didn't uh, get get real heavy into that, but uh, but. Similarly, uh, in that, you know, one of the things that I I had mentioned was, you know, the use of racial slurs being something that uh, that offends people, quote unquote. And, and, you know, my take on being offended by something like that is is a stop using it if you don't want it used. But B is that, you know, as soon as I say that something you're doing offends me, I'm turning over the control of my emotions over to you by by doing that. And, And to me, like to walk that same, that same line of saying, you know, I can tell you as a military guy who have lost fucking, you know, some of the best men I've ever fucking known and ever will know that are husbands that are fathers that are brothers that are sons that have, have fought, uh, and given their fucking life, uh, you know, for this country and have been draped under that flag and buried during that fucking song, uh, you know to to see that for a lot of us it, it enrages a a primal uh violent fucking anger in, in a lot of us uh, to see that, that that is hard to to mm-hmm. even convey um let alone fucking suppress um however i also feel that it that is it is enormously fucking important um for me to be consistent In saying that if I'm going to, if I'm going to tell anybody, don't be offended by something, then, then I've got to walk that fucking line too, you know, and, and as much as it fucking pisses me off to see that, um, the fact is, is that yes, it, it is, you know, whoever's right to do that. There is one caveat though, from a business owner standpoint that I, that I don't get. Um, you know, to me, like from a freedom of a freedom of speech standpoint, should it be illegal? Absolutely not. Yes. You know, exactly. I, I mean, people should be able to do whatever the fuck they want. Mm-hmm. And I agree wholeheartedly with that. What I don't understand is, is the NFL is still a business. Mm-hmm. It's still a product. Uh, and the reality of it is, is that most, um, you know, most viewers of the NFL are, you know, blue collar Patriotic, military supporting, you know, type of folks, you know, it's a, it's a similar crowd to NASCAR or whatever. I mean, obviously it's an overgeneralization, but it is a, a huge market share of, of the viewership and, and quote unquote the customer. Um, what I don't understand, I guess, is, is that no different I mean to me like game day, like that you're at the fucking office yeah. doing your job, you know, and, and I run a business, I have employees here and I can tell you that like if any one of my employees, was in my view disrespecting the flag in a manner of that at work on work hours wearing the uniform you know while they're doing the job that i'm paying them to fucking do not only would they be fired man their shit would be in the front yard on fire like that my foot would be up their ass getting them off the property I, i guess for me what i don't understand is is the is the lack of differentiation uh between those two things of saying hey your platform is what it is. You know, if you want to start your own nonprofit, start a campaign, you know, you're doing a, you know, an interview off, you know, while you're not at fucking work, like that's your business. And, and, and yeah, like freedom of speech, you say whatever you want, but you know, when you're, when there's a code of conduct in place and you're wearing the uniform of the organization that you work for, uh, and, and you're at the office on our, or as a performer essentially on fucking stage, like there's certain, uh, you know, rules and regulations that that need to be adhered to. Again, like it, uh, I, I don't think it should be illegal. It's it's yeah. you know, it's Robert Kraft or or whoever owns whatever team that the coaching staff, whatever. Like ultimately, it's their call if they want to allow that to happen. What I don't understand and what I think a lot of people like me don't understand is why they allow that. You know, uh, from from a business standpoint, I guess.
3: Yeah, you know, I think that's.
2: It's a good question. Um, to me, it boils down to political correctness, I think.
3: Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I mean, I've never said it in one of those meetings, you know, about that or whatever. But, yeah, I, I do, you know, you hear stuff about all the stuff that was going on and ratings were down and it was, people were outraged by it. And, you know, I understand that. And, you know, the only thing I knew is I knew why I was standing and what it meant to me and, you know, what I believed in. And at the same time, seeing those guys and, you know, being like, I don't get it. I don't understand. I don't think it's the right time or place, maybe. But at the same time, you know, it's their ride or whatever. And I think, I don't know, maybe, I don't know, maybe it was just something that kind of came out of nowhere. People weren't prepared for, you know, whatever. But, you know, I've never ran a business. So, that's hard for me to speak on you know i don't yeah. i don't know how i'd handle that yeah you know especially in that situation um uh, you know it, i think it's just tough
2: both ways yeah i mean for sure it's a bit of a lose-lose because you you know it, you, i mean what are you
3: gonna do fire you know 10 of your best players or whatever, whatever. you know i mean it's so I, I then now what are you doing to your products yeah you know whatever are you gonna fire the whole team if the whole team did something you know yeah. you know now what are we? You know, now you you have no product.
2: Yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, yeah, it's still a business. Uh, I mean, I guess I look at it that, you know, no different than if you're, if you're going to treat, you know, if you're going to make Brady run a lap for fucking something up, like, you know, to, to be truly consistent, like, okay, here's the protocol. If this is the protocol, like you don't follow it, you get fired. If it means we don't have a football team, then that's what it means. You know, now are they going to do that? Probably not, (laughs) you know, but
3: then there's no money coming in.
2: Yeah. But I mean. I guess I mean that. That's un, unfortunately where yeah. where it always where the rubber always meets the road is fucking money. Yeah. Um, you know, but to me, like I said, I just I, I view it very simply is that uh, you know from a from a consistency and protocol standpoint, uh, there seems to be an inconsistency. You know, an example would be I remember when uh, last year uh, when there was a you know a number of Dallas. Uh, police officers that were that were gunned down um, and the Dallas Cowboys wanted to have a a, a really small fucking, um, you know, exclusion to their uniform code to to put something on either the helmet or the cleat or the jersey, something, um, you know, commemorating or, or memorializing these guys and the NFL was like, no, you can't do it. It's out of uniform. It's like, yeah. well, what the fuck?
3: Well, I mean, that's kind of how the my cause, my cleat thing started. Yeah, because guys were, you know, like, oh, I'm going to wear breast cancer cleats. Then they were getting pissed you know or whatever and you know now so then guys they started doing the breast cancer month and then the military appreciation you know and then the, that was came to my call so if i wore those cleats every week
2: you get in trouble for it
3: i'm getting a fine yeah so you know we maybe me and you can work something out there but <laughs> yeah. you know but no yeah. i mean that there it's a double standard i guess yeah
2: yeah I mean, I guess you know to me it's just again like you know protocol like i don't know do you do you, i certainly don't know, i don't know if you know D- does the n f l have a an anthem protocol
3: not that i know i'm maybe, yeah, but I couldn't say, yeah, it's article c
2: section seven yeah I've never seen anything about it, yeah did um in terms of that as that was going on like did that affect any of the locker room dynamic or was it pretty compartmentalized like was there any rifts between between no that? there
3: wasn't anything like that you know i think guys you know like i said going back to the locker room guys can talk you can sit down and have a conversation with somebody and you might walk away and be like dude this dude idiot he's not understanding what i'm saying <laughs> you know whatever but at the same time you're gonna come back and You're going to be able to work it out. There's going to be some middle ground. Yeah. So that's why I was saying, you know, sometimes I'm ignorant because I'm sitting here talking to a guy about something and we can reach a middle ground. But then, you know, these people that, you know, are supposed to be, you know, all brilliant or whatever can't reach middle ground together. And, you know, so that's frustrating to me because I, I live in this small bubble of a locker room with guys from all different backgrounds, everything like we've talked about. And we can sit, we can have a legitimate conversation about hard topics and walk away from the table and not hate each other not think each other's complete idiots you know whatever it may be and so it's frustrating to me to see in our world that we can't incorporate yeah. that and i don't understand how we can't
2: yeah i you know i actually i, I have a theory that uh, goes a little beyond the scope of of talking about football but it's it's essentially borrowed from uh, Dr. Jordan Peterson, who I'm hoping to have on, actually on this show uh, shortly. But he's a a doctor from Canada, a clinical psychologist that uh, you know is basically uh, you know at the forefront of a lot of a lot of things like this. But uh, one, I've heard a number of interviews where he talks about uh, a bunch of things that I'm gonna I'm gonna basically steal from him right now. But uh, just giving the listener a heads up. But I think to hear you say that to a lot of people listening, it's a little counterintuitive, right? To think that two big fucking burly, angry, aggressive, violent, when they need to be, you know, professional football players can sit down and have that conversation and not get in a fight about it, right? Mm -hmm. Where I think our society has, has drifted so fucking far beyond the pale of what's biologically appropriate and normal is exactly that, is that to me the reason why you guys can do that is because as, as two grown ass fucking, you know, violent, if you need to be protector type men, like, like most of us are in the, in the the circles that you run with and that I I run with is that you and I know that when we discuss something, negotiate hash shit out, whatever, that there is another step. And that other step is violence. And, And when you have, even if it's a subconscious understanding that that is the next step, that's why negotiating works. And so, unfortunately, I, I feel like, you know, and again, this is a lot of things I've heard Dr. Peterson talk about, and, and I'm expounding on them maybe, um, is, that, is that the reason why our society is so fucked up is because that element ceases to exist now, whether it's, you know, children that, that aren't being parented properly. Um, because the, the parents are, are, are cut off at the knees because they don't have the ability to physically reprimand their kids, and now their kids are like, well, what the fuck are you going to do about it? You see it in schools. You see it with parents. <laughs> but but you, you see it, and it's pervasive in our society. And, you know, keyboard warriors that run their fucking mouth and are never held accountable for it by anybody because they know, you know, you're, well, you're going to go to jail if you fucking touch me. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. They'll, so they'll sit there and run their fucking mouth, and, and and they can have. But in public, they wouldn't say it. Well, I mean, to me, I, I you you see it, you know, whether it's mainstream media or whatever, you you see a lot of people that they they either know or truly believe because, well, you know, I haven't had the conversation with them, you know, maybe you haven't either, but they know most people aren't going to touch them. Yeah. So that they can have extreme viewpoints with absolutely no room for negotiating whatsoever because there is no step beyond that that's going to hold them accountable. Uh-huh. You know, and, and to me like that is that is one of the the textbook principles or or foundational principles where I believe our society has truly lost its way is that uh, is that you know most people's inability to understand that that next step is what's keeping a motherfucker honest and and making him compromise. No different whether it's on the macrocosm of of militaries or or governments negotiating things so that they don't go to war, but both fucking countries understand, hey, the gloves can come off and we can go kill each other if that's what it takes. You know, two two fucking NFL players understand like if we need to fucking take our helmets off, like we can do that. I mean I think it boils down to respect though also. Absolutely. There's
3: that level of genuine respect of each other yeah that but like going back to what that know that this could get bad
2: yeah well because to me that that's where respect comes from ultimately you know because i mean you know you see it a lot again in in social media is is fucking satan's tongue as far as that's concerned um you know with with people that just run their fucking mouth and and aren't held accountable for it because they they know they don't have to be you know and, and so they don't respect anybody because nobody nobody is ensuring that they do yeah you know, um, but it's it it is neat to hear that, uh, and I think it would it, it surprises uh, most people probably hearing it. Uh, but uh, but it's it's nice to hear for for me and from my perspective, uh, you know, that you guys have those kinds of conversations and and you have them like like grown ass men and adults that uh, you know that that try to try to understand each other and right. and, and come away from it that way. But um, you know, again, it, there's there's a lot a of, lot of elements to it that uh, you know that are you know, very complex and, and, uh, um, you know, I'm sure will continue for, uh, for years, but, uh, but it's, to me, it's, it's both refreshing and interesting to to get somebody who's, who's living that world, you know, mm-hmm. the take. And, and it seems, it sounds like it's pretty, pretty similar to mine. I, you know, like I said, I, I don't understand the from the business side of, of that, but that's, uh, you know, maybe we'll get, get your boss in here, have uh, Robert Kraft come down. <laughs> I'm sure he'd be willing. Right. But, uh, at any rate, um, one of the things i like to as we wrap up is there anything else that you want to talk about or, or address before uh, before we kind of wrap things up No, oh, man i just appreciate you having me down
3: here man i'm i'm excited to you know get to see what you do and your yeah. line of work and you know and uh you know appreciate everything you've done and you know what you continue to do well
2: it's uh it's truly my pleasure honestly it uh, i mean I, I know i speak for myself but also for uh, you know a lot of a lot of military folks, and that the reason that we do what we do is because of everybody like like you and, and everybody yeah. else. Is that you know whether it's the New England Patriots or the fucking accountant that prepares taxes or whatever, is that you know it's it's the citizens of the United States that that make our country worth fucking fighting and dying for. Yeah. You know, so uh, it, it truly is our pleasure. But um, one of the last uh, questions, uh, one of the last, the, the last question I like to ask you, just. Not to put you on the spot, but just because I I like to to wrap it up on a positive note is uh, what are you most grateful for? Man, what am I most grateful for?
3: It's tough, man. I think uh, it's hard. I've been so blessed and it's just, you know, like we talked about, I get to live a dream every day and wake up and do what I love, you know, but uh, I'll say I'm grateful for my
2: wife, yeah. Little brownie points at home. Huh? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you want to give a shout out to the to the misses? Uh, yeah, Mackenzie. Hope you're doing good in Athens. See you soon. Love you. It's good shit. Um, all right, so well that essentially wraps it up. Uh, what I would like to uh, finish with is is again just you know you talk about the platform that. Um, you know that you guys have on a, on a grand scale and and most people um you know can't can't even begin to fathom the the reach that uh, the guys in your position have and and uh you know for somebody like me and, and what we have going out out here in bumfuck cooper texas um you know to have have you uh you know pick us as a as a charity and, and have your support is uh, is truly fucking humbling and, and i mean that from the bottom of my heart i mean it's uh we're very passionate about what we do here but um, you know, to have the attention of, of guys like you and, and your support and, and doing the My Cause, My Cleats thing and, and what that raised for the foundation and, and, and even way, way above and beyond that is, you know, from, a, from an awareness standpoint of, of bringing it to the forefront uh, is, is really the reason why we have the ability to do what we do here. Um, you know, I'm looking forward to to showing you the dogs tomorrow, and I'll jump in the suit and do some some bite work. <laughs> so, you, so I don't I don't need the Patriots pissed off at me for uh, for fucking your arms up or anything. But, uh, but you know, to, to show you all that stuff, and and more than anything, you know, what I hope that you gleam from from the visit here is is you know we've got about 15 dogs right now, and and every single one of those dogs uh, is here because of people like you, you know, supporting us and 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 giving us the the funds and the resources and the ability to take care of them because every one of those fucking dogs would be ashes in a box on somebody's desk or uh, or in the ground somewhere um you know if it were not for people like you helping us uh, do what we do here so i i cannot thank you enough for your support on that and, and really really appreciate it I appreciate it um all right ladies and gentlemen as always uh, it's been a pleasure we're going to wrap it up here um i have to thank you guys the loyal listeners for uh, for your support uh, this podcast would not exist, uh, if it were not for everybody that uh, does such a fantastic job of tuning in every week or every other week or ever, whenever the fuck we decide to, to drop podcasts, whether it's seven days, 10 days, 14 days. But, uh, I, you know, again, I I'm floored and humbled by the support that I have gotten from, from this, uh, and given me the ability to sit down with guys like Mr. Andrews and, and. Uh, you know, all the preceding and, and, uh, and follow on guests that we will have. But uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, we appreciate the hell out of you. If you, if you don't like it, as I always say, choke yourself and, uh, we will see you next time. And again, this is Mike Drum.